it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. A PW Torch VIP membership doesn't just give you ad-free access to these shows and a ton of other VIP-exclusive podcasts throughout the week, but you also gain access to our unmatched, vast library of wrestling history, our contemporaneous week-to-week coverage through our Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly newsletters dating back to the late 1980s, along with streaming and download access to hundreds of retro radio shows from the 1990s, including some of my interviews with wrestling's top newsmakers in the 90s. And also our podcast library dating back to the year 2003. There's no larger, longer spanning pro wrestling podcast library than that that comes with a PW Torch VIP membership now approaching 20 years of podcasting. Go VIP and dive into our post-pay-per-view roundtables, our coverage of some of your favorite eras of wrestling, top name long-form interviews, and special format podcasts that we've done throughout the years pwtorch.com slash govip. We have a streamlined sign-up form and you can pay with PayPal or directly with your credit card or debit card in one or two minutes. From right now, you can be a VIP member and diving into our library, pwtorch.com slash govip. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A -a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. For the week of Monday, February 27th, 2023. As always, I am your host, Robert Vajos, and I'm joined this week by the cinematic Rick Monsi. Rick, how's it going? Going pretty good. It is a little cinematic here in Los Angeles. It's like an Armageddon movie happening. Like, like it was hailing on Thursday. I just parked my car and waited for it to end. My car, our car was covered in ice. And right now I'm looking out my window and there's snow all over the mountains. And I live in Southern California. Right. Well, we got a, we got a severe weather uh, alert earlier for a snow squall, which Ooh. is just like wind that blows snow and like your, your area is covered in snow, but it didn't snow in that area. Um, I, I can't imagine how people who live and you have more experience in this than anyone else living in LA, how people who actually live with this year round. Uh, oh, with snow and scraping yeah, just your weather. Yeah, just it's weather hell. in general. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm more about, I'm, I'm, you know, you're in California. I'm over here. It's more about fighting the heat most of the time than dealing with the actual elements. And when we deal with the actual elements, uh, not that, not that good at them. So, uh, no, no, yeah. not really. Stay inside. That's, that's, that's what's so great about, you mm-hmm. know, staying inside tv eating food those are the things you need to do you know you just safe. you just curl up in your bed watching some true crime show and you have Pornhub on your phone and you just you just I have, get all you get all tuckered out and you fall asleep and you wake <laughs> up <laughs> i i gotta tell you at the end of the show we usually give our kind of media recommendations i'm, I'm in a i'm in a crime kind of i'm not i'm not in the mood of committing crimes i'm just in a crime watching head i've been alone most of the weekend so um yeah, I, I, are you are you keeping up with the that guy who murdered his family, um, uh, whose court case is happening right now? The Alex Murdas Mur, Murda, the I, guy who testified in his own trial last week. Uh, no, I'm keeping I'm keeping up with murders from 35 years ago. Dude, this one's a big one. They already did a Netflix special about mm-hmm. him, a true crime show, and his trial is happening right now. It's I mean, fat. Are you even a murderer if you think you don't get a Netflix special? You know, I really well established one. I'm I'm weird about this. I love watching these in real time. I like mm-hmm. looking back at them. I love true crime stuff. I I was literally just watching year six of Law and Order right before the show started, and I've seen the episode I was watching like four times. <laughs> I love it so much. That you know that that really adds to your eight uh, hundred year old man soul uh, bona fides there by yeah you law, know it's Law and Order. Yeah, you know what's sad is also adds to my old man perspective is that most of the time when the show's over, I've been sitting so long, my back hurts. <laughs> it's authenticated. <laughs> I think that comes with watching like Law and Order, though. Like you know, if if you do watch long enough, it's not from actually you're sitting your age. It's just part of the uh, the right the effect. You get empathetic with the target audience. You know, like if like if I'm watching like a I don't know a concert for like that's generated towards like 15 and 16 year olds like i want to get up and dance too you know it, it has that effect that's what law and order uh does yeah to you. the problem we've when you watch it like on demand on peacock or on dvd the, you don't get those pee breaks that they mm. usually have for the commercial breaks because you know mm. if you're staying with that demographic you have to get up and go to the bathroom six times every episode see i know i know it's an nbc universal show but like right. the the network of cbs is just so tailor-made for old people I love it, and I'm I'm a fan of CBS. I am, I am, but like everything on that network is uh, tailor made for old people. I would got to say the Law and Order. I only ever know the end of the episodes um, mm-hmm. because they they run them quite frequently uh, right before Raw. So I know a lot oh, of the really? climaxes and the cliffhangers, but nothing <laughs> nothing in between. I, I want to be the guy who writes the 
first part before the investigators the, the come. The psychopathic first part of every episode. Well, it's always just two people talking, walking, they find a dead body or someone gets shot. Or I don't watch SVU. I watch the Waker one, so mm-hmm. I'm not into the, you know sexual crimes i'm more just you know people shooting people for oh, I, oh, see, I was the i was thinking of marissa what's her name heart 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 or the, mm. that that version right um, no i watched the one with uh sam worthington and jerry arbrook and stuff like that oh, like yeah. the original pure the un- old people old pure people. uncut on <laughs> order Are you, you're not a big matlock guy matlock was okay i like perot as when i was a kid uh, yeah. and I haven't watched Murder, She Wrote, but yeah, I, my main show is Forensic Files. Like, I uh, fall asleep to that all the time. Yeah, that's a skeletons in your closet for sure. Um, all right, so welcome to our Murder Mystery Podcast. Real, real, real fast, real fast, before we break this up, I have a genuine question for you. Uh-huh. If you killed somebody, how long would it take for you to tell somebody else? Like, I know you're supposed to keep it a secret and everything, but, like, I can't keep a secret I, that's that big yeah, to I save t- my life. Like, I tell you. Would you, you you would like allude to it like it wouldn't uh, it would have been so bad if the guy died right I mean like I mean obviously someone did it but like you would like kind of give it away I feel like I would give it away like three days later <laughs> yeah, even if I, I thought I was being well, clever it, it isn't that kind of um, the pathology on these things too like yeah you kind of want that sort of record I don't know I just I couldn't keep it in yeah I would find I would find a way so I think you're like a safe person to give it to Rick. You know, just yeah. kind of mention it casually right before the podcast. You won't know if I'm serious or not enough to report it, but I will have said it out loud. Um, I won't snitch. I won't. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'll self snitch, but I won't snitch yeah. on other people. Yeah, I, I almost did once. Um, yeah, I, I can tell you. I'll tell you the story, and then I swear we're gonna have our MMA and wrestling show. But I gotta tell you, yeah, uh, I have a set of grandparents that live not like a hours drive, but like. You know, like if you're going to go there, it kind of takes up your whole day sort of thing. And right before mm-hmm. you get to their house, it's a very small, isolated area like you're familiar with in Alaska. There's a series of stores. So if you if you need any like supplies from town, that's where you stop. Um, and one Christmas, uh, coming back, actually, we had left a little early. Uh, I, we stop at the little store and I see my cousin's truck. Now, my cousin gets out of his uh, vehicle and he is covered in blood. I mean, oh God, like covered in blood. And... Uh, Granted, my he also was just back from the military about two years prior to this. I'll put that in the context of the story, and he's covered in blood. I was like, "Hey, hey, what's going?" On? And I asked him, "Like, hey, well, where's where's your wife?" And he just said with the most uh, dead faced look, "I shot her." Oh my god! And then goes on with, and he is like, he's covered in like a murderous amount of blood. And I'm just trying to follow the conversation going through my head. Well, am I going to be loyal? Am I going to snitch right. this guy up? Am I an accessory now to a murder? Like, legitimately having this conversation. Two seconds later, he shows me the deer that he shot on the uh. side of the road on the way up. The level of relief that came over me as I was put in that position uh, was amazing. It's still gets reference to the state. So, we, so whenever we're on good terms, which we, we always are on good terms, but whenever we're speaking fondly of each other, he always likes to, to mention that I was not going to rat him out. But I... I was internally conflicted about, you know, the situation you were. I, I was in. Yeah, yeah. I, I could have been flipped very, very easily in that situation. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, yeah. It's good that you didn't you didn't have that instant snitch mentality, though. Yeah, yeah. But I, but again, I don't know. You know, was, was I going to help him cover? I mean, I did witness him covered in, like I said, a murderous amount oh, of blood. I definitely would be an accessory, even if I, because I'm such a wuss. Uh-huh. Like, See, what am I going to say? No, <laughs> like, he right. just killed somebody. He could kill me. Like, of course, I'm going to help him. Right, right. I didn't uh, kill anyone else. I'm just helping him get the body in the trunk. 
so he 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 listens to this show. He often uh, comments on things we say. I, I hope he's a. Uh, He's okay with me putting his murder. If there's uh, a wood chipper involved, I would have a moral dilemma though. At that point, I feel like that were that's the that's the line. I would do the trunk. I'd probably do the burial. Like if I was out with out in Vegas with a friend and we had to, you know, like very bad times happen, like yeah, that movie, sure. something like that. I could see that, but you, you realize, Rick, now. Um... If any of us are ever in the proximity of any anything that's happening, this podcast here is going to be the uh, evidence. The evidence yeah, of the day. Yeah. <laughs> really he be. literally said he would do it. <laughs> literally. Um, um, speaking of, about getting away with a crime, man, that Jake Paul, Tommy Fury pay-per-view. Um, that was robbery right there, but so we can get into it later. We will get into that. We will also get into... The main event of this week, which is our upcoming UFC pay-per-view, UFC 285, featuring the return and debut in heavyweight division of John Jones. But we first must talk about what happened in the UFC last night. And if you want to comment on anything we talk about, you want to confess to a murder? MMA livecast at gmail.com. MMA, L-I-V-E-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. That would be the place to do it. I will probably turn you in if you confess to murder. I you you are not my cousin, right? That I grew email, up. Email <laughs> email social media is a whole different deal. There's no yeah. allegiance there. Snitching abound. Yeah, yeah. Digital tracking. I mean, come on. Uh, yeah. You, but 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 if you feel the need to confess, the inbox is open. All right, Rick. Let's talk about yesterday's UFC event, which uh, we didn't do a good job of previewing on yesterday's show, and. Uh, Good thing we didn't because um, main event actually didn't happen. Mm-hmm. We actually lost the main event during the event. It's my favorite version of, of losing the main event when you lose it during the event. As um, we had a cancellation when Nikita Krylov fell ill and was not able to make his fight against uh, Ryan's. Uh, yes, Ryan's band. I got that right. So obviously, it's just one of those things. It happens. <laughs> during um mma it's really it's really one of the only sports where this kind of thing happens in this way i I mean in other sports you have performers that don't perform you know members of a team but that team still generally plays you rarely get an all-out like cancellation of a football game because the quarterback couldn't play um but we did we did end up having that here so we had no main event the new main event quickly transformed into brendan allen versus andre munoz so the ufc had to had to very awkwardly make that the main event during the show. So we only got three rounds out of it, even though it did end in a finish. It was only slated to go three rounds because that's what the fight was signed for. ESPN Plus was hilarious during the event because it had the original poster on there as the thing you click on, which then just turned to Munoz versus Allen and like one of those, I don't know, 2011 YouTube thumbnails. that's just a shot from the video basically right. being uh, the main event. So, that's where we ended up there. Rick, were you uh, were you devastated that we lost the big Krylov span bout? Yeah, it was funny because I was watching the Suarez fight and they're like, only two more fights to go on this card or something like that. I was like, wait, isn't there three more fights? And then it dawned on me what happened. But no, I don't care, especially because this fight's just going to get rebooked some where down the road. So. Right. It wasn't it wasn't like such a crucial fight right now. No. Um, anyway, I got to say, though, and, and on that comment, as far as this card, this card had no juice to it um, at all. With that said, this card moved at a very brisk pace. I watched yeah, most did. of it in real time. Um, it aired earlier, and uh, 
everything else I wanted to watch in entertainment was happening later in the evening. So I had a really good window. And as I mentioned, I've been home all weekend. So I watched this card, like I said, for the most part in real time. And it had a nice flow to it. It did throw me off. But I was like, that's it? That, that's all they're going to do? Because generally, these cards that are stuffed away, they tend to actually be the longest because they just stuff a ton of things on them. But this, uh, this had a brisk pace to it. And part of that pace was a finish in the main event, the quasi-main event. Happened late in there, 425 of the third round. But Brandon Allen getting a rear naked choke submission. Several chokes on this card, but he gets his over Andre Munoz, Munoz, excuse me, and advances in the middleweight division. Rick's, your, Rick, Rick, excuse me, your thought mm -hmm. on the quasi-main event. Well, I know someone out there who bet on DraftKings was pretty disappointed uh, with that result because they just lost $117,000. Yikes. <laughs> mm, God, uh, I was really, really cheering for Brendan Allen when I heard that news. On like, that note, on. Our, our Patreon is, no. Yeah, come on, Brendan. <laughs> Let's make someone sad because the guy would have won. I think they said 170,000 if you, if Andre Munoz would have been able to win that fight, but he didn't. I don't care how rich you are. Who has that invested in this fight? Just come on. Yeah. That's definitely just, well, I mean, Munoz, he was just picking a favorite at that point, but yeah. that's, that's going to be yeah. the worst kind of fight to lose to. It's one thing if your guy gets knocked out right away, it's like, God, but this one you have to suffer all three rounds through, and it's just, there's no hope. Oh, and it ends and the, at the very end. Yeah, I mean, just brutal. I loved it. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Daily Cast listeners, thank you, first of all, for streaming the shows. Be sure you're subscribing. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to pro wrestling podcasts. But while you're at it, if you're not yet, please subscribe to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows. Search Wade Keller and see two logos pop up, a blue one and a red one. The red logo, the post shows, cover Raw and SmackDown each week with a fast turnaround time of a couple hours after the show's end. And also, every Saturday, we present a flashback to our analysis from five years ago that week, covering Raw. Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net joins me, and we analyze what happened on Raw five years ago. So check out that time capsule every weekend. 
The Blue Logo Show features the Thursday flagship, plus our first-run interviews, our classic interviews, and our mailbag segments. So, again, search Wade Keller and click subscribe to both the Red Logo and the Blue Logo. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, uh, that's uh, that's what we need in this world. But a, a good one, obviously, for Brandon Allen. He keeps keeps his winning streak going. He has a, a little bit of performance of the night streak, a couple of those in a row. He's got a four-fight winning streak, and it's uh, it's time for a stiffer competition for our, our guy here from uh, from the south here. So, um, Yeah, good for spotlight him. for him. Yeah, just, main event like got, that. To, got to main event. Rick, do, uh, yeah, you had some positive things to say about that. What are some positive things to say about Augusto Saki? Versus Dante Mays, your signature. Yeah, this fight. is a slog, wasn't it? Jesus, yeah, it was something else. It was, it was what it's always supposed to be, right? Uh, lower level heavyweights yeah, that are not brutal. knocking people off, uh, not, not not knocking people off. Jeez, what what kind of show are we doing here? Nobody's getting knocked off on this show. Knocking people out, I should say. But it, but if you did knock someone off, we probably wouldn't tell. Um, but yeah, no, I was just a a bore to watch. Uh, yeah. Even uh, live, that would have been a bore. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But let's talk about what I think is the the talking point, um, at least leading into this card, and, and maybe somewhat after the fact, is you did have Tatiana Suarez in her three-year, three-and-a-half-year, nearly four-year layoff returning against Montana De La Rosa, and she returned to the cage in the same way she left, like getting a guillotine choke at 251 of the second round. Now, this was not an entertaining fight for like a spectator perspective. It was actually very slow moving, but I just think that's what Tatiana Suarez is, even at her peak. Although I feel like my memories of her fighting, it, it, it was a little more active and activity, but it kind of didn't matter because they got to the ground and she was just clearly much better than uh, than De La Rosa. De La Rosa's uh, length, I think, gave her a little bit of trouble as far as uh, when, he, when she was able to supply the apply the submissions, but classic case of just the grappler who's just so much better than than her opponent on the ground and once they got down there she was able to secure the victory 
Um, obviously, she was very emotional at the at the conclusion of this. And you can't really blame her when you spend four years right. uh, with an injury uh, to to come back into this moment. We're gonna have some uh, some progress in the flyweight division, obviously coming up in a week. And I, I don't want to say she's back in the mix after one fight after four years, but they need some blood in that division. And I don't think it would go very well for her against a a seasoned striker like she may face in a title fight. But I I think this was a little more rocket boosting than someone with her status may normally face in this situation. I think she should stay in this division. I know that part of the reason why she wants to go down to strawweight is because she can be bigger and the takedowns would be more effective. And they made a point to say that because Montana De La Rosa was good at jiu-jitsu, so there was some things that she could throw up there that make it harder for Suarez. But at the same time, too, she had that extra weight on her. Whereas Suarez, when she's fighting at 115, definitely could implement her strategy a little bit better. That being said, you do have a champion right now, and this Valentina Shevchenko, who's fighting this weekend, who had a lot of issues with jujitsu and takedowns and everything just in her last fight. So this is a super shell division. Just stay in it and keep doing what you're doing, and you'll find yourself on a title shot pretty soon. Yeah, Strawweight's Strawweight's stacked. Yeah. um, We talk about all the time. It's the best division in the UFC. Um, Even if some of the fights are a little redundant at this point, um, they tend to actually produce new fighters, too, in that division that that are of interest. And uh, look, we need a big fight in Flyweight. So I hope hope she does does stick around. Um, Prior to that, Rick, we had uh, a fight for the way the announcers build it for, like, the Canadian National Championship here. I know. Between... uh, Mike Malat and Johan Leonese. And I gotta say, my guy Mike Malat, he got he got the arm triangle choke at four fifteen of the first round. Uh this guy uh I think is like my creative fighter fighter in a theoretical video game in like two thousand four. Uh, because yeah. cut came out to some forty one there, having a good time, uh telling jokes during the whole thing. He he he's also in our crew that I think uh probably should just take up uh, modeling instead of actually being in the UFC. Doesn't actually look like a fighter. Johan looks like a fighter. Right. Johan looks like a fighter. Mike Bullock uh, kind of looks like Alan Joban's best do- friend. Doesn't he? Yes. Just light skin and dark hair, tall. Yeah. Yeah. They, they're all going to hang out with Luke Rockhold and do some modeling or something. They all were right cheering for Tommy Fury today. Oh, for sure. For yeah. sure. Um, Some other notes, too. For, that was the main card, by the way. It was, it was those four fights. Uh, the prelims, though, have, have some things to uh, to take note of. Platinum Trevor Peak, that's what I'm going to call him. He defeated Eric Gonzalez with a KO with a punch at 4.59 of the first round. Now, this guy, yeah, this guy is something else. Obviously made a big impression on the Contender Series. And I called him uh, Platinum Trevor Peak because he basically feels like Mike Perry with that, the Nazism. Um, talks like him, sl- um, kind of moves like him. Uh, very uh, bootlickery towards the boss in this one. I'm sure that'll age well in like five years, whenever he's fighting on the on the local circuit. But uh, this was this was kind of his moment. Man, man was emotional at winning this fight. Uh, you know, giving giving hugs to Buffer, getting autographs from Buffer. This this guy had the time of his life over Eric Gonzalez yesterday. He also hit him with a shovel punch it was, i don't even want to call, call it an uppercut it was like a shovel punch it looked like mm-hmm. it really hurt eric gonzalez they could have stopped that fight about three punches before mm-hmm. um you had jasmine jazdavicious just completely dominating gabriel fernandez jordan levitt got a good win he needed over victor martinez tko due to knees and punches 
Ode Osborne defeated Charles Johnson by split decision. Now, this fight had uh, an interesting moment, Rick, because you had a low blow. Ode Osborne took like the full five minutes, but we're in the Apex Center. So you can hear the announcers. They basically just started interviewing him during the five minute period. It was pretty surreal. Never really seen anything like this. At one point, shout out to our show, where we always joke about the announcers doing podcasts during the broadcast. Well, Michael Bisping straight up said, hey, wait a minute, we're doing a podcast here. We're interviewing a fighter as we're talking. So that was interesting. But ultimately, um, you know how the low blow fights kind of go with all that going on. But it ended up in a split decision. Not the most entertaining fight, but that was just a unique moment in uh, in the proceedings. Really getting tired of the apex center. (laughs) That was kind of what I was intimating uh, with that there. And then you also had Joe Selecki defeating Carl Deaton. With a technical submission, rear naked choke. I'm I'm loving my technical submissions. Got to get one in every week, Rick. And then, uh, but how did she tap, or how did they tap? Was it like a stern tap, or was it a passive tap? I, I remember it being passive, but I'm, okay. I'd be lying if I said I remember it exactly. <laughs> and then uh, Naruto Alev, I think that's how you say that, uh, defeated Rafael Alves with a majority decision. Uh, fun. No fight of the night bonuses here, but performance of the night bonuses going to Brendan Allen, Tatiana Suarez, Mike Below, Trevor Peak, Jordan Levitt, and Joe Selecki. Money uh, all around. Yeah, th- other than the, than the Suarez fight, which obviously may be significant in the future, just not a lot going on here. Nope. Uh, period. This is a f- this was a fight card for ESPN+. Plus. That's that's what it was. You lost your main event, which wasn't even that that juiced of a main event to begin with. This The function of this card seemed to serve really as an infomercial for next week. And if you're watching this, you already knew about next week. Yeah, but, you know, that's kind of what it does. And what am I talking about? I'm talking about UFC 285. Jones versus Gone. It is finally upon us. After years, literally years, of waiting for John Jones to re-enter the octagon. There's, of course, everything that goes along with it. He's switching weight classes. He vacated his title in the process of this. He's had arrests, of course, that happened in that time period but he's getting to challenge well to contend i should say for the heavyweight title because on the other side it's not the cleanest thing either either cyril gone although he feels like the interim champ he is not francis Ngannou was the champ who obviously departed the company a month or so ago so this is for the vacant title it is john jones first crack at anything at heavyweight and it's for the title look at jones recent resume and I, i think we know it but Jones was not fighting well at light heavyweight. And I say he's not fighting well. He was still winning title fights. But something looked off. He looked different in his last few fights. I think it goes all the way back to the Gustafson fight. Now, the Gustafson fight is post one of his suspensions. I believe that's the picogram, pictogram, whatever we want to call it, fight. But he had the the win over Gustafson, which was not... It was dominant. And, and I may put that one more on Gustafson, but it actually wasn't the classic they had at first. Uh, Anthony Smith, kind of similar. He was dominant. Anthony Smith, there was an infraction in there. So that was a little bit of a, of a questionable fight. Some people think Tiago Santos actually beat him at UFC 239. I don't know if I didn't necessarily share that. I'd have to go back and watch the fight, and I don't really care to. I definitely thought Dominic Reyes beat him, though, at UFC 247. But ultimately, he did get the decision there. So he was trending towards a guy that was getting decisions at light heavyweight. Now, when you seemingly can't knock people out anymore at a lower weight class, it's generally not a good idea to go up in weight classes. But that is the situation here. And I think John Jones obviously is a very unique 
circumstance. He's different than anyone else that's ever switched weight classes. I think we've all said that he kind of had at least the frame for a heavyweight. I don't know if he had the body for a heavyweight, but he's got the frame. And there's been intrigue for years about him fighting at heavyweight. He's been linked to uh, a fight with Daniel Cormier at heavyweight. You know, fairly recently, linked to Ngano and Stipe at heavyweight. Was calling out Brock Lesnar at one point for a heavyweight belt. But ultimately, Cyril Gon is his first test for the title. Rick, what are your thoughts just on us being here at this moment? Feels really surreal. I know this fight was announced and we were all excited, even though it was announced in a kind of a silly way. But now that it's here, it almost feels on it feels like it's been a long time, but it also feels like it, it's coming pretty soon at the same time. Cause the fact that he's fine gone really isn't digesting with me. They don't have a history together necessarily. I know gone mm-hmm. could have been the interim champion, like you said, but he's not. It's a little bit of a lackluster return as far as opponent goes. Obviously, Nganu or even Stipe would have been more interesting to me than Gone. Nganu, yeah, than Gone. But we got Gone. He does bring some things to the table that can be a challenge for John Jones as far as his speed, the, his size, his striking, all that good stuff. But I think Jones, if he wants to beat Gone, he can just watch that Francis Ngano fight and be like, oh, take tones. Okay, I can do those. So with that aside, just this, just the sight of John Jones at 250 or 255 pounds and his striking and everything else and just the way he will look will be interesting by itself to me. Like we're going to see a different looking John Jones. And I watched the countdown video and he just looks bigger and thicker. And he's so lanky though that it might not be that drastic of a difference. Maybe his legs will be bigger and they won't be the bony legs that he always Mm. talks about. But it's going to be interesting to see if his fighting style has changed. And I just want to see him. And I want to see him in the cage. My big fear is he's not going to even make it there. Well, I mean, that's always the disclaimer with every John Jones fight week is we never know what the fight's official until the bell rings. Because we've seen cancellations, you know. Or if it'll go overturned. Mm-hmm. True. We've also not been sure what we were watching was legitimate. That has also been the case in John Jones fights. And, you know, so I like to pile on Jones a lot, um, not because I'm malicious, but the guy just got a lot to to pile on with. He, also, he he's done a lot of this stuff in your area. It's true. So I think I'm probably a little oversaturated with John Jones news. Yeah. Um, yeah. So 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 there so there is that. And I just. I don't know. I get disappointed in, in John Jones uh, just because he, he really is talent wise. You know, the, the LeBron James, the Michael Jordan, the Tom Brady of this sport, but his own actions have have kept him from uh, fulfilling that promise uh, fully. And so um, I just think that's that's generally unfortunate. Now, to your point about it not feeling quite right, I, I think what that has to do is is the opponent. And that's not necessarily a disrespect towards Gon. Gon's actually in some ways a good first opponent at heavyweight had it not been for the title. But you just kind of figured... John Jones fighting for the title at heavyweight in his first fight, it's going to be like one of those names you mentioned, like a, like a Stipe, uh, like an Nganu. Not from this kind of vacant title situation. So so I think this definitely takes a little bit away from that. Now, Gon obviously is a, a very challenging opponent. I think he's, he's a tricky opponent, but but like you said, um, if he couldn't outgrapple uh, Francis Nganu, someone like John Jones, who is extremely capable at grappling, I think is going to be going to be a big a big challenge. What's funny about this is, and it's always been the case when you thought about John Jones at heavyweight, he doesn't necessarily have a size disadvantage as far as his limbs. 
Like that's his advantage at light heavyweight. No one else that weighs that much is that size. So that's that's an advantage he he has had. It's kind of similar to Anderson Silva, obviously, over the years. A little bit to Israel Adesanya as well. But I think, you know, Jones was able to put it together at a higher level maybe than either one of those two guys ever was. Because the greatness of John Jones is the combination of the physical gifts with the good the good strategies and the uh and the precision and the great coaching and all that stuff has made this uh this John Jones unbeatable figure that we have yes he's not technically undefeated but he's never really been beaten definitively in a fight and um this though would be the time for it to happen without it being like a harm or foul situation necessarily like i'm not i'm not going to pick against him i am officially picking jones to win this fight i think jones will be your new heavyweight champion when we crack open the microphones next weekend however if he were to lose i don't think it would be like an invalidation of jones it's a big deal to go up away classes. We see this go badly all the time. It might go well, could go well, and maybe, you know, for the interest of the sport, I think it is the best thing that could possibly happen. I'm just saying, if it doesn't go well, I don't think it's a disaster, even if it may be portrayed as such in the discourse soon after. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Give yourself a reason to look forward to going to the mailbox each week with a PW Torch newsletter paper copy subscription. Details at pwtorch.com slash paper copy. It's 12 pages every week packed with my TV reports along with exclusive features such as my cover story on the top story of the week, our pay-per-view roundtable reviews from the Torch staff, exclusive feature-length columns from Greg Parks, Rich Fan, Sean Radikin, Alan Cunahan and Zach Haydorn, Torch Talk transcripts, the latest news, and more. pwtorch.com slash paper copy. Take a break from screen time and settle in every week with a mega dose of wrestling news and analysis with a Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter, paper copy edition, in the year 2022. You can get a full year of home delivery for just $99. Or try us for an eight-week trial subscription. pwtorch.com slash paper copy. No, look at the guy who almost beat him once, Gustafsson. When he went up to heavyweight, it went terribly for him. So it, we've seen it happen multiple times. But yeah, I think John Jones at heavyweight makes things interesting at heavyweight. There needs to be a little bit more interest in heavyweight. There's some up-and-comers, but nothing too sexy. So Jones coming back and staying clean and winning a couple fights would be amazing. Surreal gone beating him would be good for heavyweight too. Mm. Francis Ngannou does loom over this division, sure. But I'm a little. I'm going to get over that conversation pretty quickly. Give me a couple more title fights, and I'll I'll pretty much forget about him, especially when he gets washed out in a boxing match against someone someone reputable. Well, I don't know if that has anything to do with it, other than it's just time will, like, like nobody delegitimizes the the light heavyweight champion anymore, and we we know Habib is the best light heavyweight in the world and of all time. So you know, eventually. That's that's different than the the invalidation that like maybe Daniel Cormier had to experience when he was the title when the other guy was on suspension. 
Right. Uh, you know, if you're if you're the the king of heavyweight right now, you are the best heavyweight in the UFC. The same way you'd be the best light heavyweight in the UFC. Um, and I I think uh, I think if you're if you are in Ganu, you're rooting for Jones in this fight, by the way. Because if if you're ever going to come back to the UFC or build a super fight even outside of the UFC, it's going to be against Jones that you would want to that you would want to be put it against. So I think all parties involved, for different reasons too. I don't, I don't think the UFC is necessarily interested in working with with Engano at this point. But all parties involved, I think John Jones getting the victory is the best outcome. But what you said is also valid. If Ghana is going to be the best heavyweight in the world, which he has certainly laid claims to at at different points, a win over John Jones is a pretty good. A pretty good notch in his belt. The guy who like maybe sends John Jones back to light heavyweight or sends John Jones into retirement. That's a pretty probably good notch retirement. In his belt. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I, I don't see him going back to light heavyweight, and I don't know if he's. Well, we don't know. I don't know if he's the guy, the type of guy to like grind it out and rebuild from a loss. Um, we saw, you know, Ronda Rousey was not able to to live in a world where she was uh, not undefeated. I don't think being undefeated because technically he's not, but I don't think it defines John Jones as much. I think the expectations of basically being a child prodigy have much more of an impact on John Jones than uh, whether or not he was undefeated or not. Uh, but yeah, this is a huge fight. This this feels big. I, I haven't felt a lot of momentum towards it right now, but but you never usually do unless it's a McGregor fight until the week of. Um, I have a feeling, though, this week, the, the momentum for it is going to pick up when people actually, they realize this is a John Jones fight, which gets a, a fair amount of attention in general. John Jones fights, even if they don't draw well, they always get a lot of attention. And then there's the novelty of him going up to heavyweight. So that that's going to be, uh, that's going to be big. It's, it's a, it's a different thing too, because as I mentioned before, outside of McGregor, it doesn't feel like we've had a big fight in like three years in the UFC. We haven't had one of these where it's just like a name guy is in a big fight. It, it's been so long other than the, the Poirier McGregor series where, you know, you can say, are you watching the so-and-so fight this weekend? And it's referring to MMA. And then this is going to be the first time in a really long time. So just, just from that perspective, just because I feel like MMA may kind of be back for a weekend. I, I'm just looking forward to everything that's going to ensue in the next seven days. Yeah, me too. I think it's going to be a big fight. And I think, like you said too, we've had kind of a, a spell where there has there's been good fights i'm not saying that we've been suffering or anything like that but i would say that the people outside the bubble the casuals as they would say they will definitely be talking about this one it's going to feel like a big night in vegas when it's happening mm. it's going to be a hot ticket probably going to sell out they are making a really big gamble bringing john jones back to vegas though yeah yeah I mean, he didn't do so good when he won no, the Hall of Fame or whatever. No, he wasn't there. It's not like he was there that long either um, on that weekend. This is a different situation, obviously. And, and, and like all the negative things I've said about Jones, I want him to get his life together. I want him to do good. I don't I don't want him to just right. be this, prevent, this perennial disappointment. So um, I hope it goes well for him from that perspective. Do you think he'll win this fight? Who do you got? I, 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 I've got him as my pick, yes. Officially, okay. Mm, I've got gone. Mm. It's yeah, a pick. it's 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 a it's a pick'em. I think in that way. I, well, it's not a pick'em. I just think unless you are one of these guys that breaks down film after film after film, I don't think we know. You know what I mean? I I feel like mm-hmm. making a pick is just shooting from the hip. I'm not, and I'm not saying that to criticize me or you. I just think anyone who's making a pick kind of has to be in that in that mindset right now. Yeah, I just think 
you know, Tiago Santos and Dominic Reyes almost beat mm-hmm. John Jones, and they're not known for their great wrestling, or especially Tiago Santos, you know, like he was a striker and he almost beat John Jones and and John Jones knew he was a striker and could have tried to take him down. And I think Jones might run into the same issue with gone if he yeah. isn't able to take on down. So. And, uh, and the context of all that's always going to be what, what Cormier, I think, put into the, the bloodstream. And let's face it, we're not being accusatory here, but Jones has never quite been the same fighter as drug testing has increased in the UFC. Now, can that also correlate with age? Maybe, but he's also like the youngest champion of all time. So the guy's not even out of his prime yet and has been fighting for like 12 years. So there is that. But there there was a decline in his fighting once that stuff started to to go down. Um, now, that doesn't, that even though he's literally been suspended four years for this kind of stuff, that doesn't mean he's like a doper uh, necessarily. And it doesn't mean he hasn't always been following the rules. But what the changing of the rules has been a change in his fighting. And I just wonder how that also translates to heavyweight. So there's, there's plenty of question marks. I'm not Mm -hmm. disagreeing with you there. I I just do think he is going to get the job done. Ultimately, if you look at the odds right now, some of them that I'm seeing, they do have Jones as a minus, like a minus 170, minus 160 favorite. Uh, So not, not the hugest of odds, obviously. That's Um, pretty, yeah, that's pretty close for a John Jones fight. Yeah. Here's a guy who doesn't quite get the cyborg odds, but, I think it's generally favored. That's um, good money to put on Jones. Yeah. I mean, he's probably going to win, but yeah. Let's just hope he stays out of trouble. But I, I, there's just, you know, you say that every time. There's only so many times it can get bit. But, but he's let people down so many times. That That's part of yeah. That's part of what it is. And, and it's like, okay, are we going to do a parody test, especially with fighters? No. I'm not, I am not going to do that because, you know, there'd there be a lot of digging to do. For sure. And that's not unique to fighting. That's just part of human nature. However, his bad behavior does alter the sport. And I think that's why maybe there's a bit of a focus on it as well. Because it's not like you're just talking about a guy's personal problems. His personal problems have had major impact on the sport, on events, and and how they play out. So that's why they always have to be made public. We always have to put a qualifier whenever whenever we talk about them. It's so funny when you watch the countdown, if you watch the countdown, you'll see this. They said he he introduced all the people who are training with him, like Walt Harrison, different heavyweights, and talking about his life now. And one of his big hobbies is he he bought an attack dog, and he's got this guy helping train the dog in this bite suit and everything. So Jones is like, I like the fact that I have this dog that will attack someone if I need it to and will stop when I command it to. And there's all this footage of Jones kicking the crap out of this guy in this padded suit while the dog <laughs> is biting him. And then he'll say, stop attacking. And I was like, I, I don't know. Part of me was like, you try to learn a different language. You get into finger painting, <laughs> like just something. No, of course he gets into something incredibly violent and weird. Well, one of the, uh, one of the more minor legal scuffles that ha- that he had around here uh, was during the summer of 2020, during the uh, during like the police port protests. Uh, he was like coordinating with the police department, uh, and the w- w- to to put that into context, it was basically like he was running like a militia on behalf of the police department, <laughs> and it was it's really? funny because. If you told me that, uh, yeah, I don't know whatever came of it. I don't think it was something that could really, it was definitely illegal, but I think it was more the police 
uh, officers that were in trouble more so than uh, than John. It, it was funny for someone that had been in so much legal trouble, um, acting like he was, you know, just this partner of law enforcement there. I, I really thought that was funny um, for, for both him and, and the law enforcement officers. Yeah. Moment, I thought it was funny. But it, and it, and maybe it's it's just because Jones has a natural air of a little bit of cool to him. Um, in some ways, not not excuse me, what he does, the bad things he's done, but he does have a an edge of cool to him. But at the same time, too, you realize, oh, like if you heard that story about like John Fitch, or or any of these guys, you know what I mean? You, you'd be like, oh yeah, of course that that totally tracks, right? Yeah. <laughs> you would think, oh, okay, Jake Shields was involved in in uh, starting a militia in town. You would think that's okay. John Jones is no different than those guys. He's exactly like those guys. It's John uh, Fitch would be a guy who'd be writing letters to the press about global warming or something in my mind. Like he's got the beard and everything like that. And he's got that thousand yard stare. Like, oh, no, you, I could, you've, you've I could, never, you've never uh, seen John Fitch's Twitter account. Have you? No, I don't have no. Twitter. Yeah, no, no. John, John Fitch would be claiming that global warming is a, a Oh really? A okay. Conspiracy. Yeah, no. Gotcha. Yeah, that, so he, He'd yeah. be the opposite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. John Fitch is the guy that would want to work for the paramilitary, but wouldn't be admitted into the program. That's that's who John Fitch would. Uh, uh, would they'd be like? Didn't you lose to Josh Berkman in like fourteen <laughs> seconds in front of Rick Monzi at one of his only MMA live shows? Nah, not you. <laughs> didn't you? Didn't you once headline a show in the middle of a racetrack that got rained out? Um, mm. Yeah, that would also that would also apply there. But yeah, so. I don't know how we got to that tangent of John Jones, but let's go one more John Jones tangent here. Because the name John Jones will always, in an MMA setting, be connected to Daniel Cormier. Now, Daniel Cormier, since before he retired, has been one of the primary commentators for UFC events. However, he's always been conspicuously absent during John Jones' fights. And it makes sense. The guys are rivals. Pretty intense rivals. Documented rivals. Rivalries that have upended fights. One of the many other ways that Jones has upended fights. However, that is going to change this Saturday. Daniel Cormier is going to be on the call. Now, John Jones has been playing very nice uh, on social media about this, saying he has all the respect in the world for Cormier, and he'd be happy to sit down and do interviews with Cormier, hear his analysis, he respects him for what he knows about the sport. You know, all the, the quote, right things to say. But Rick, I, I, I can't in a million years believe that this is going to be handled with any sort of professionalism that isn't awkward as hell. It's bad enough when Dominic Cruz has to begrudgingly say nice stuff about Uriah Faber on the the broadcast, and their rivalry goes nowhere near as deep, I would say, than the Jones Cormier rivalry. So, how much of your uh, of your keen ear will be on just the commentary interactions and the fight week interactions of Jones and Cormier? A lot. I, you know what I wish it would be videotaped is, you know, how they had the fighter meetings with the commentators. I would just love to see DC sitting across from Jones asking him questions about his career <laughs> and just be like, like the kind, like the time I kicked you in the head and made you cry. <laughs> well, and see, that's, that's the thing is, uh, I, I actually have always sensed the animosity comes more from Cormier towards Jones than it does the other way. Absolutely. It all got started because Jones went up to Cormier and said, hey, I heard you're a wrestler. I bet I, you, I can take you down. And Cormier took offense to that. Mm. Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. 
Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net along with other pro wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at pwboom.com. Once again, that's pwboom.com. And, and you know, we're talking about the the lives that they lead. You know, uh, it's, it's always been like Cormier has been kind of almost like personally offended by by the 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 issues that uh, that Jones has gotten himself into and he's always just been the con- the the contrast to Jones. And there's been like talk of them I think it was like a year or two ago at the SB awards where they were stuck in the same elevator with each other and and got into like a little bit of an argument and that kind of thing. So I've always got the impression and and uh and there's been some evidence to back this up that that it's a real rivalry. Like it is a real real rivalry between between these two. Now, I understand though you know, Jones won. I think Jones won the rivalry while Cormier won at life as oversimplistic as that is. Mm-hmm. That is, that is kind of uh, like you'd rather have the accomplishments of Jones, but the, the, I think the, the next 40 years of, of what, of what Cormier has coming. So I've always thought the animosity was real and and I'm just looking forward to, to this awkwardness or maybe the, the after effect, the podcasts the week after it is all, it's all to watch. And we've seen this in sports over the years and I've always found it, um, found it funny where you'll see a guy go into media and, and usually the awkwardness is in the other way, you know, cause now, now he's got to criticize his teammates and sometimes that can have all kinds of, of consequences. I never trust an ex new England Patriot whenever they're talking about Bill Belichick on ESPN. It just, it never sounds credible with that said, the other end of it is when you have a spat with the teammate and then you work for like a league partner, uh, going all the way back to, to the nineties. I thought it was funny when Isaiah Thomas would be announcing Michael Jordan's games. Cause you knew those two absolutely hated each other. So I am absolutely looking forward to this and any revelations that come out of this to me, that's almost as interesting as the fights. It's just this Cormier storyline this week. And, and if John Jones is out of the fight for whatever reason, Daniel <laughs> Cormier will have every opportunity excuse in the world to just trash John Jones for the whole, whole oh, fight if, night. Oh, if Jones, if Jones doesn't make it to the octagon, Instead of a main event, Cormier is going to come out there with a 45-slide uh, PowerPoint presentation yeah. and just explain this all to us. You know, it's funny. On a different note, I wanted to ask you this. When they were talking to Dana White after the fight night and someone asked, do we have a backup fighter in case something happens? Mm-hmm. And Dana White said, yes, we have a backup. We always have a backup fighter when it comes to big fights like this. They're like, could you tell us who it is? And he said, no, I, I'm not going to tell you who it is. I think I know why they don't want to say who it is. And is it's someone I pick on quite a bit because it's someone no one wants to watch fight. This is my opinion as to why he's not going to tell anyone. Cause we knew like Volkanovsky was the backup fighter in case something happened between Islam Makachev and, um, what's, I already forgot his name. Oh my God. The, the former lightweight champ. Um, Volkanovski or? or... I'm so, well, when Volkanovski was the, when he was. Well, he uh, was uh, for the, the grappler guy. Oh, his name. <laughs> this is bad. Olivera. Olivera. <laughs> Olivera. Yes. So we knew in advance, like it wasn't a big deal. Like uh-huh. y- there's a lot of times that you know who the backup fighter is just in case. And sometimes it's like, oh, that would be a good fight too. So they're not announcing the backup fighter in my opinion, because it's someone no one would be excited for. And the chances of John Jones having something happen to him are higher than most. You know, I just, I think it's Blades. Okay. I think he's the backup fighter. I bet you Blades will walk out there and be weighing in this Friday. And 
Curtis Blades, and, no, and that'll be it. And what hopefully a, the fight will. will what a letdown to pay for Jones versus Gone. Right, and have Gone Blades, Curtis Blades, a fight. Well, and event. that's why I don't think they want anyone to say anything because mm. he couldn't probably get a backup fighter. Who who else is available to be a backup fighter mm. in heavyweight mm. right now? No one. So it's Blades. I get. Oh, you almost. I'd bet you money, real money, that the Curtis Blades is the backup fighter, and they don't mm. want to advertise it because that's how unmarketable blades is mm -hmm. watch me be totally wrong and it's someone else but i think it's gonna be blades it's gonna it's gonna be cormier cormier is gonna take off it's gonna be like when the announcers enter the royal rumble yeah <laughs> like he's gonna take off his his that would uh, be hilarious enter the enter the ring oh no, my the, god that'd be the greatest moment oh, ever that would be amazing the the backup thing is real like i've heard anecdotally and i don't know how much this spreads out but like i've heard people tell me they don't buy jones fights till like the day of I've been told that before by actual living, breathing human beings because they know. Yeah, I don't blame them. The you know, especially now that I, I think in the pay per view era, you would just kind of buy on you know in the moment, but now you can everything's a little more uh, prepackaged, where mm -hmm. you could you could yeah I'll buy the pay per view on Tuesday, and and obviously uh, the UFC loves that system, but it uh, it can be a little dicey with some of the more uh, uh, volatile fighters, real, if you will. Real fast. What, the top 10, Cyril Gaon. It's not him, obviously. He's fighting. It's not Stipe. Mm -hmm. It's not Sergei Pov Pavlovich. I think mm -hmm. we've heard that. Curtis Blades is number four. Ty mm -hmm. Tuavasa is number five. It's not him. Tom Aspinall is still hurt. Not mm -hmm. him. Sergei Spivak just fought. Not him. Alexander Volkanovsky. He may be. Jarzino Rosenstruck, maybe. But then you're getting into eight and nine. I mean, Curtis Blades is number four. It's him. Yeah, you, well, because then you're getting into like, um, like you know the the dolly throwing pay per view where you're you're putting guys that aren't even in the top, right. the top ten to try to give them title shots to to save it. Uh, yeah, I really feel like I'm right on this one, and I just thought it was I thought it instantly as soon as Dana White didn't reveal it, I was like, it's Curtis Blades. Yeah, because that, that's generally not a state secret. Am I wrong? Like, right? Like we know who is. No one wants to watch Gone versus Curtis Blades. That's why you're not saying anything, yeah. and that is. 30% possible. <laughs> and like, like much, much higher likelihood than on a, on a normal fight week. For Which sure. is weird because Blaze versus Jones, you know, at least Jones is still in there, but you know. Yeah, the no, but there's, because all these different heavyweights though, and they're intrigued though, again, going to, like all the other heavyweights become much more interesting if they're matched up with Jones. Right. Yeah. That's kind of how the light heavyweights were too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um. Okay, so that's that's a lot on that main event, but we also have a uh, another division that we spoke about earlier in the show, women's flyweight. We have a title match there. Now, women's flyweight is a weird division because you have a great champion in Valentina Shevchenko, and that's exactly the problem. Valentina Shevchenko just does not have competition. Now, she did have a split decision uh, victory in her, her recent fight versus Talia Santos. Usually, I say usually, that's a sign that there are cracks in the armors. Prior to that, though, she was basically finishing all of her fights. She does have some fights that that stick out, like the Jennifer Maya fight, the Liz Carmouche fight, that were boring fights. But that doesn't mean she wasn't very dominant in those fights. They were just not very exciting. But basically, since the creation of this division, she has been the division. And she has some um, contenders that are just uninspiring. On a general basis. And I would honestly put Alexa Grasso kind of in that category. Um, Alexa Grasso is someone that I feel like her whole career has played out on the course of this podcast. 
uh, that we've watched a lot. Obviously, she's you know under 30 years old. She's on a nice little win streak. But I, I say she doesn't have an impressive resume, but I don't think an impressive resume can exist in this division because there is such a gulf between the champion and all the contenders. I mean, I guess her little four-fight win streak does put her in that position. I'm not, I'm not trying to say it to discredit her. It just doesn't feel like this is the fighter right now. This fighter who was, you know, kind of disappointed at the start of her career, but then has since, since gotten uh, back on track. And I say she's disappointed. She only has three, uh, like three losses, but they came right at the start of her UFC career. Right. And she was very, very hyped. Now, obviously, if she gets the win, now now we're just rolling in Mexican champions, Rick. We, we have Mexican champions all over the place. And your your dream card in Mexico definitely can uh, uh, can take place. But... I'm not. I'm not picking a title change here. I think. Uh, I think Valentina no. survives uh, over here. I do think it, it'll be a little bit of a test for her. I do think that. Um, but I think that only only minusculely. The, the thing is, is is Alexa Grasso. She's a striker. She wants to 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 stand there and throw. And you know, Valentina's one of the best strikers in UFC history. So I don't really think that's necessarily the greatest of game plan. It's not like Valentina is. Um, uh, incapable on the ground, neither is, is Grasso, but I would still give Valentina the advantage in, in that area too. So I see this as a, as a Valentina victory, probably a decision victory, but a Valentina victory nonetheless. I do too. And when you look at Grasso's wins lately, her four fight winning streak, they happened on a lot of three of them happened on fight nights nobody mm. watched. Mm. Like the first one happened on Smith versus Rockick fight night. 2020 nobody watched that legendary one. fight right? yeah UFC 258 she actually fought Macy Barber I believe is the co-main event mm. but everybody just remembers Macy Barber losing not her winning necessarily mm. and then you had her versus Joanne Wood not Calderwood anymore on mm. Blades versus Dukakis nobody watched great that card. great card. yeah and then she won her own main event yeah. against uh Viviana Rojo nobody watched that either so she's had like this winning streak that's been unseen by anybody so she feels like she just kind of came out of nowhere mm-hmm. right and that's not why... like we've been like watching these amazing three fights being put together and everything and we're like oh she's really gonna that's why I don't contender. feel like she's chomping at the bit but then again I don't know if that bit exists in the flyweight division so I'm, I'm putting that qualifier out there too um, like, like I, I think we will manufacture it for Suarez when it's her time, right? Uh, just because it was preordained. I just don't like. I think she could have beat everyone, and unless she was just KOing like you know Ronda Rousey in it, where she's beating everyone in like ten seconds, I don't know that anyone would look like a, a worthy contender. Um, so it's, it's it's just very hard to to break down uh, this division at this point. But I think we're both in agreement that Valentina rides here. Um, okay. Now we have Jeff Neal versus Skava Rompnoff, which could have could go two ways. It's either going to be a fifteen minute lay on each other fest, or Jeff Neal is going to get a quick KO. Um, not sure, dude. No, I think Shavka Ram whatever is going to kill Jeff Neal. Are you kidding me? I think he's going to murder him. I think Shavkat is one of the new prospects out there. Personally, he may be. He may yeah, be. watch. But, this is a watch. Watch me be terribly wrong, but um, no, I think... no. But 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 here's the thing, like you're 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 talking about you're talking about this guy, um, Rock Rock Rockamoff. He uh, he's not exactly one of these like lay on. Even though I just made that little comment, he's not exactly one of those guys. Like he uh, he fights and he he beats people. He finishes fights. Um, and Jeff Neal's kind of, you know, just a, just a striking fighter. That's a guy I like to see on cards. Right. Doesn't win a lot though. 
No. Uh, and that's been the, the issue. Uh, I would say, like, after that, even though that's pretty low, this fight, this this is a one-fight card, but it's a big enough fight that I think that's that's not necessarily an insult. You do have you have two important fights, obviously, because you have a title fight, and you'll never really dismiss a title fight. And then you have, you know, one of the more intriguing fights that the UFC's promoted in a few years. Uh, but, you know, from there you go to Gamarat versus Jalen Turner, Bo Nickel versus Jamie Pickett, and that's the There's, rest of the main card. Well, Bo Nickel, though, they're strapping a rocket to this kid if he ends up winning. He won the Contender Series in dominant fashion, both of his Contender Series fights. He's like a very prospected, high-prospected wrestler, I guess, when he came in. And he's only had like three or four fights or something mm-hmm. like that. And well, he, he, already... hasn't, he hasn't fought like outside of the Contender Series. Right, exactly. He's only had, with the Contender Series included, I think three fights. And he's just going to be someone who, if he can put some wins together, the UFC, is, he's going to be the new Sage Northcutt um, in a lot of ways, I think. Is, you think he's making his father proud, though? Who Bo Nickel? Yeah. Who's his Who's his father? Uh, friend of the show, Sam Alvey. Don't you think? Oh, he does look like Sam Alvey. Yeah. Yeah. He looks like he looks like the version of the son that could actually beat the dad up, though. <laughs> uh, Colby Covington, man, or sorry, Colby Garbrandt, man, f- how you have fallen on the prelims and main event of the prelims. It's still back in the bantamweight division. Okay, what? Okay, I, I got you. But if you cut off like the two main events. And just put and swapped the the rest of the main card with the prelim card. I think that would make more sense on this card because just from a names perspective, there's like a little more going on. I feel like on the on uh, the prelims on the prelims. Yeah, yeah, as you said, Cody Gabrant versus Trevin Jones. I don't know what the hell to make of Cody Gabrant's career. Um, he's I can't sad. you know he's 31 now, so he's no longer uh, the young buck. No pun intended that he was before. But since his win over Dominic Cruz. Way back in December of 2016, on the card that Ronda Rousey retired on, on that card, way back over there. Wow. He's won one fight since then, and that was his KO over Rafael Asensio. He had the the series with TJ Dillashaw, in which he lost, he got finished both times, the Pedro Munoz fight. Rob Font beat him a couple years ago, and then at the end of last year, he lost to Kai Kara France. That's crazy. He hasn't won since I was 32 years old. Yeah. He's won won one one fight in there. Oh, that's right. But, but, I mean, he he was another, like, whenever he beat Dominic Cruz, like, it felt like we were in the Garbrandt era. And for, like, the first, like, 10 minutes of the Dillashaw fight, it felt like we were in the Garbrandt era. And Remember he was in that stupid commercial where, like, his girlfriend was with him and his dad, like, girl's dad was there or something like that he's like cody garbrandt ufc champion i well i remember he, he was in like a metro pcs that's what it was yes. yeah right where they're like cleaning the rug right Isn't that yes one? yeah fs1 days for sure are you a nostalgic wrestling fan do you want to hear about shows you haven't seen in 10 20 maybe even 30 years well i have the show for you i'm pwtorch.com contributor frank Pettiani, and since december of 2020 i've hosted pro wrestling then and now together with a rotating chair of co-hosts we go back and review old shows from top to bottom talk about where the wrestlers were at the time and compare what's taking place now to what took place then you can hear this along with other shows as part of your pw torch VIP membership with exclusive podcasts just for members compatible with the Apple Podcast app. Visit pwtorch.com slash go VIP for details and sign up for them. Um, 
Derek Bronson I, versus DDP might be a good fight. Yeah, the, well, that's the other one too. So this is this is all pro wrestling in this fight. You got the 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 veteran in Derek Brunson, who uh, who he's like he's thirty nine, and I don't generally think too highly of him, but like he has a loss about a year ago to Jared Cannonier, and that kind of ended his run. But he was on mm-hmm. a nice little run before then. He really was, um, and we, we were kind of having to, to begrudgingly give him credit for that. He even got shoehorned in that main event by accident that one time against DDP, who we don't know if DDP is a good fighter. We just want Vince to book him in Vince's theoretical wrestling promotion because he looks like a G.I. Joe. He really uh, does. Yeah. He he he's one of those guys like so many others where they could just be a male model mm-hmm. and they'd be in the main event. Like if this was wrestling and not a legitimate sport, do you know mm-hmm. places would do places would easily be he, he would the, right now have an undefeated streak going, holding a lower right. title. Yeah, that's what he. Would yeah, he looks right like now. Austin Theory, basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the, this women's flyweight, they could easily the, plug one of the, these ladies into the. It's the, the voodoo doll event. match. It's the voodoo yeah. doll match. They are both sitting there with the voodoo doll of either of the two people yeah, in the main I, event and poking it. I hope Amanda Rebus loses because I cannot stand how over enthusiastic she is when she wins or anytime she comes in the ring. She's just always so happy. Everybody loves her. She's always waving, smiling. I, I just want uh, Vivian to end her. <laughs> like, not, you know, not her life. That sounded terrible. But just, you know, win the fight. I'm going to report you. you know. um, and then uh, you got a Mark Andrew Barriott card. Another guy that I'm just like waiting for the egg, the egg to hatch already. Um, <laughs> might have passed the expiration. Julian Marquez, though. Remember when he uh, asked What's-Her-Face out or something like that? Did he ask a pop singer out when he won a fight? Like I, Katie I Perry or that, something like that's that. That's like my beat. I need to look that up. Um, and then you have a, a Jessica. Jessica Penn is the other like fighter that you would know um, on this card. So um, there's some there's a lot of fallen angels on the uh, on the prelim really side, is. and uh, and really one fight on uh, on the main card. With that said, I haven't looked this forward to USC event in, in like dude. Yeah, six I'm months, in, so I'm invested. Like I I'm ready to go on this one. Oh, by the way, Alexander Volka, Volkov is fighting uh, the following week, it turns out. I was oh, looking so at we, the get, next... we get two high-energy events in a row. Well, so he's not going to be the backup fighter. Oh. Oh, so... okay. So that, that strengthens... Mm-hmm. Uh... That strengthens my case. This this month, by the way, is just ridiculous with the amount of... Every week, did you see what they got? So we got John Jones and Gone coming up. And then after this, next week, we got Jan and... Uh, I never can say his name. Deval Deval Shavili? I don't know, but he's yeah. the guy who basically um, Dana White was angry at because he ruined Jose Alto's re- retirement match. Anyways, that's the main event. Yawn, you know, Rab- y- yeah. yeah, yeah. So then after that, you got another pay per view. The Edwards Usman three, which uh-huh. is actually going to be pretty good. Kind of a huge fight, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then after that, you got Vera versus Sandhagen. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's some crazy main events. Uh, yeah, and then, uh, you know, we have a whole lot of other stuff in all the other worlds <laughs> that we did. That's yeah. A busy month. Oh, there'll be a WrestleMania around there somewhere. Yeah, like imagine. a week after that, there'll be a WrestleMania. We have an AEW pay-per-view this weekend. Uh, yeah, oh, tons. I'm going to the movie theater to watch that, by the way. Oh, that's your new thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, so we have a, we have a lot, um... A lot in the chamber after uh, some. Uh... Ooh, and then we got Pereira versus Adesanya. Yeah. This feeling good. That's gonna be a big fight too. Feels, feels like we might be in 
UFC season getting kicked yeah, off. Yeah, Gilbert the, Burns and Shatore Mazadol will be the co-main event on that yeah, period. That'll be fights. huge. They, yeah, big fights. I mean, really just all the way around. Um, and then they get kicked off Saturday night. Um, I did mention it, so I'll mention it quickly. I didn't prep to do a uh, a preview for AEW's Revolution pay-per-view. Initially, I was thinking, oh, man, we're, it's going to have to be a a decision kind of night. I have not adjusted. They've done it for like two years now and haven't adjusted the fact that AEW has their pay-per-views on Sunday now. Um, oh, yeah. And I also can't, I also can't adjust to the fact because I almost like schedule our show all weird around Elimination Chamber that WWE does theirs on Saturdays. So I, I thought it was so cool that AEW was doing their pay-per-views on Saturdays. Um, I didn't mind that WWE was also doing theirs on Saturdays. I just think both of them could do it and, uh, you know. I can uh, be in a good mood on uh, Sunday mornings instead of uh, have that pounding headache that I. I really <laughs> <do>. <laughs> um, so so this AEW's in a weird spot right now. Just, I, I'm looking at the pay per view card right now. Not I'm not blown away. I I can't describe what it is. So, uh, they they've hit a a bit of a weird streak of dynamite. Like they had like a month and a half of just like really good dynamites, and then they've had like the last uh the last month of like mediocre dynamite. Like they weren't bad. And they're not like all dysfunctional, like the way they appeared to be um, in the fall. They're just, I think this is just, it, it's just uh, the ebb and flow of what pro wrestling companies go through as kind of, just kind of a cold period. Um, just nothing, nothing feels, n- nothing feels super hot. Nothing feels super can't miss right now uh, with AEW. They, they put on really good matches on a, on a weekly basis. The storytelling though right now is just not, uh, it's just not clicking like this. This MJF Brian Danielson match, which should be a lot bigger than it is, but they've just had a hard time building it. Like normally, they they don't they don't build matches pay per view to pay per view, but they kind of did that with this one. So they had to have like the uh, you know the passions of Danielson here as he, he has those really good wrestling matches like five weeks in a row. Uh, but then they took a really weird weird turn on Dynamite this week, where <laughs> supposedly the reason why MJF hates Brian Danielson is because he. Uh, takes his career for or he takes his family for granted by continuing his wrestling career which that's the base like that's something that looks really good on paper that you could like build out you know over the course of a couple of months it's not like mjf is exactly built as the family guy though on the show like that that's not exactly the the most convincing role for mjf just to be put into like two weeks before the pay-per-view um and and it's really interesting because initially this is gonna be a 60-minute iron man match it, the the build was supposed to be like the wrestler's wrestler versus the guy that everyone kind of believes can't wrestle. Um, so I think they've just thrown a little bit too much at this um, in an attempt to sell it. So it just hasn't resonated quite the same way. Moxley, go ahead. I don't want to sit in the theater for a 60-minute Iron Man match. Yeah, I'm not too keen on them in general. Oh. Um, I, this, I'm i super regretting this decision all of a sudden. Um, it, it, it's... It, it, Here's the thing with Iron Man matches, they're bad. Um, even uh-huh. if, like, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, two of you know the ten greatest wrestlers in American wrestling history, could not have a good Iron Man match. I, I mean, I don't know how that like The Rock and Triple H had a much better one, uh, but that was there was a lot yeah. of that fit their Iron Man match though fit that era where there was so many run-ins and you had the Undertaker th- like there was they they did enough in an era that wasn't known for great long wrestling. They actually put on. Uh, in my opinion, one of the better ones. Uh, Brock Lesnar, Kurt Angle had a really good one on SmackDown. But the point is, they're hard to pull off. And I I think the, the selling point of this match is how can MJF pull one out? So that's part of the intrigue, but I would just rather see like 
I don't know, Danielson versus someone else. If you're going to go, you know, it's, I see Danielson and Omega, Danielson and Page. Those are the I, guys who, who he has wrestled hour long matches against. Right. If you're going to see that, that's fine. I, I have not nothing against hour long matches. I don't like predetermined hour long matches. I, I also think MJF is going to win the last fall by some stupid, like punch him with the ring or something dumb. Like, I just don't think it'll be satisfying. Well, no, and that's the, I mean, but I, I don't have a problem. And you will be that. like, well, that was an hour of my life. Well, I mean, he's a heel, so they kind of do know, cheat to he, win. I know, but 16-minute Iron Man matches are, are supposed to be athletic. But, like, but, they, he, but they, they always have those finishes, though. Like I, I just, dumb. I just, I mentioned, I mentioned Rock and Triple H. It was the Undertaker, which the Undertaker botched the run in, by the way, in that one. Uh, well, and didn't didn't he give Triple H someone because he got de- he DQ'd the Rock? Yeah, yeah, that's that's how it. That was again. That, God, I can't believe exa- I remember that. That's exactly the finish. But he actually screwed it up so that the announcers had to, uh, the, the timing. It was that was the debut of the Biker Taker. But even the initial one, even Brett and Sean went to overtime. Remember, like that's how, uh, that's how that went. And they always. Chinlock City. Yeah, they always uh, they always kind of end. Um, like, who, who was it? And it might have been, it might have been AEW. They did a thirty minute Iron Man match fairly recently. That was a much better concept. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because it still has all the same parameters where you can score a fall. You know, and all that. I I have a feeling it'll actually be fairly watchable as an Iron Man match can go. I'm just not looking forward to it like right now. Um, and here, here's the thing: what what scares me about it is it's a hard proposition for a company that puts on these like marathon pay per views too. Uh, where they they don't like you know take it easy in a match to build up to the main event like everything is usually um, usually full go. The other match I think of of somewhat note here uh, or one of the matches of note would be Moxley and Page Hangman Page. We're gonna have a Texas Death Match, um, which mm. I'm not a like I I like their series that they've had on Dynamite. I think they they have really good chemistry with each other, especially in these in these more hardcore type environments. Uh, the problem is we've seen them have a couple of them already, so it kind of feels like we we've had our fill of the storyline. And I'm okay with this match, but if you're gonna have that match on that show, that then should probably be the main event. You probably don't have a Texas Death match with, you know, honestly the best hardcore wrestler in mainstream wrestling with John Moxley, but don't have that on the same card that you have a 60 minute Iron Man match on. Yeah, because you know that one's gonna go long too. Yeah, and I feel like it can, you know. It, one could make the crowd or the just the audience turn on the other. We got uh, Joe and Wardlow again. I think Wardlow gets the uh, the TNT title back on here. Jericho and Ricky Starks um, have a decent little feud. It's just the, the whole Jericho Appreciation Society and all. It's just been kind of going on too long. Decent right. little feud between. It's just kind of gone on too long. Uh, Hater versus uh, Soraya and Ruby, the uh, the newly heel. Uh, Soraya in this one, and they're kind of trying to revive Ruby. Jamie Hader gets great reactions. Um, should be really over as a champion, but it's another one. Th- these people have all been kind of feuding for a while, and then, of course, the Elite with Omega, Nick, and Matt taking on the House of Black, Malachi Black, Brody Keen, and Bunny Matthews, which I am sure will be a spot uh, test. Uh, yeah, really, but but it's gonna be like the match we talk about the next day. Is oh man, that you know the the six man that with those people involved, obviously. Enjoy them while they're here, guys. Yeah, it's gonna be that. Because I was, I was just gonna lead into that because uh, uh, we uh, that's that's kind of the uh, the, the scuttlebutt is uh, is whether or not Omega and the Bucks are interested in joining WWE. My official prediction is it probably doesn't happen uh, just yeah. because of the um, 
the freedom that I think someone like Omega might really uh, share. Like he just got now to work in New Japan again, so I don't think he would want to give that up. I got, I don't see a world where even if Triple H can be more amenable, where Triple H offers that to him. I know Vince offered a similar deal to Brian da- to Daniel Bryan to stay where he could also work in Japan, uh, but I just don't see that being offered. But if there was ever a time like late 30s Kenny Omega. Um, would I mean it's probably the time to go and there's you know big matches with Cody Roman and Seth all just kind of in the hopper I, it's not happening but it, I mean if it did um, it, it would it would it would even uh, it would even uh, tr- uh, truncate the the shock of seeing Cody come over well and I um I don't think this is a really good time to go to WWE right now because Vince McMahon is seems to be back in creative mm. I don't say how he's not and all reports behind the scenes are saying that he is and they're about to sell the company so it'd be weird to go to a company even if it's the biggest one we're in this where they're in this transition mm. and they'll most likely still be sold to saudi arabia um i'm getting more and more confident that, that the saudi arabia direction is where it's going to go i um, think the leak was on purpose and it was a test run it, and it was to kind of to get, get it out of your everybody- it yeah, was, it just, was the Roe v. Wade thing. You you leak it a month earlier to get, to get everyone you know to to sort of do it, and then uh, and then it goes. I, I, I actually, think it's a hundred percent going to happen. I, I've I, actually been thinking yeah. that a lot. Yeah, and um, I, I on the Omega point, I, I think that's correct because you just don't know what whoever acquires the company. You know, you don't know what like the philosophy is going to be on things, and like if you're Omega, especially at this stage of your career, you're not going to go for cheap. You know what I mean? You're you, you're going to go for quite a bit of money. You're not going to give up being literally a vice president of an, another company for a, you know a discount in 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 Vince's territory for sure. Um, I don't think you're, you're going to do that. Now the, there are there have been reports that like Omega and Triple H do just get along very well every time they've ever interacted. Like they they do get along, but that doesn't mean. Right. Doesn't mean squat. Um, I, I, uh, I mean, I want the I want the Bucks to go just 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 for like a weekend. I just I just need like you know the Bucks and the Usos to have just a big match or something, or or even these three guys to come and do like a I don't know a Saudi Arabia pay per view gets the bloodline, and then they could go back to AEW. So I, I wouldn't mind see I wouldn't mind seeing some of the stuff that Omega could do in WWE. I'm, I'm actually not. Um, I, I think you know. He has hit a bit of a ceiling in AEW, so I do. I'm more intrigued by him in WWE, but I don't think it's going to happen. Support us on Patreon starting at $4.99. Get these shows ad free and bonus VIP content. That's $4.99 on Patreon. Patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. That's Patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. That is the quickest, cheapest, and easiest way to support us and enjoy these shows with a streamlined listening experience. The Wade Keller Post Shows, Podcasts, and the PW Torch Daily Casts, plus some random VIP bonus content. It just feels like we haven't got the Omega we bargained for even in AEW. It just doesn't feel like we've had the Omega match yet. Am I wrong? Like, Yeah. He hasn't had the Omega Okada match at all in AEW, really. I mean, he's it's, had a couple it's, good Brian Danielson. It's, it's, I would say you have the you have the Danielson matches. It's been rare that Omega that the Omega match isn't the match on any event that you're talking about the next day. Like, so some of it is I think we actually take Omega for granted in that way. Do you that, think it's because he's injured and he's not having those Omega matches? Well, right now? that's that's part of it. Um, and I was I was just about to hit on that because, uh, I think the the thing with with Omega and his status, it, it's kind of similar to what um. Uh, what Nakamura is in in WWE, in that like 
these were kind of retirement gigs in some ways. Like these guys were pretty beaten up and Omega's missed a ton of time too. Uh, due to his injuries. Omega's, I, 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 I used to say, and, and I think I was kind of proven right on this, Omega's not great for a televised wrestling promotion. Like, Omega's a great talent and, and a historic talent at that. Um, not really the guy to get a seven-minute match out of uh, in the same way that even like like a Seth Rollins really can, someone who's been, who's been compared to him. So I don't think he's ever been a great fit for television wrestling. I do think he's generally had really good matches, but you haven't had those epics specifically on a pay-per-view, like even like the Danielson matches happened on uh, an episode of Dynamite. You haven't had that big match for like the, the Omega Okada one. And whenever his matches have gone so long, like you had the boxing match, it, it, I mean, it was crap. It, it, it wasn't great. Um, I don't know what the, I don't know what the Omega people bargained for is though. Like I think Omega has always has had limitations in this environment. Like I, I, I was never as high on Omega like in the 2017 2018 period as I was on like AJ Styles just because I always thought AJ Styles could was more versatile where um you know I've made the analogy like he's a he's a guitar soloist Kenny Omega is where it's got to be this long drug out thing now people don't like I say people what I mean by people is people who talk about wrestling on microphones just can't stand the uh the Kenny Omega character in AEW but I don't think that's actually been related to any of his matches that he's like, I get that. Um, they also make a ton of money off of the Kenny Omega character and all the, the different methods. I get why they don't change it. Um, but, but I do think Kenny Omega has left a bit of a sour taste in like analyst mind um, because he's involved in such frivolous. I think people have like internalized the Cornette criticism and have tried to make like good faith versions of it. And I don't honestly think any of it holds up like this. This is like the, the basis of it holds up, but this is always what Kenny Omega has always uh, uh, kind of been like we got the cleaner for a little bit in AEW and it and wasn't very good in that environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't think it'll be any better in WWE, honestly. No, I think it'd be worse because at, yeah, at least worse. At, at least he can have you know some of these indulgent matches, uh, and and like the silliness actually will feel like it's conducted by him, versus once WWE were to get some of that elite silliness, they would just I don't, I don't care who was in charge, uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't work well. So. Uh, get get some more money out of Tony Khan there if if you're gonna do something. I I have I have seen some not reporting. I'm not. This is not reporting. I've seen some speculation that because the the punk situation isn't resolved, that uh, that that could be something that uh, that leads that leads them in that direction. But that's all. It's all speculation at this point, uh, Rick. But that is that is a busy weekend we have ahead of us. But this weekend is still going as we record this. What did you do right before we recorded this show, Rick? Okay, so there is a new tier for when an event happens and you have to pay for it. And so you decide, do you pay for it? Do you not watch it? Do you go to the movie theaters like I do or the bars? So here's an, so we got first tier of pay-per-views. Because I, I watched Jake Paul, Tommy Fury live and I did not illegally stream it like 60% of the audience probably did. I, I found a way to watch it legally. So... There was ordering it on ESPN Plus. I did not do that and watch it at home because I thought that most of the event was going to be crap. And it turned out to be crap because I watched the prelims. There is ordering at home, right? Then there's watching it at a movie theater, which I don't necessarily think is a tier below, but you're leaving the comfort of your home, paying premium and going to a movie theater. So I actually sometimes see that as even better than watching at home. So it's like 1A, 1B, if that makes sense. Then there's watching it at a bar. And that is when it's not at the movie theater. You don't want to pay full price. And maybe some friends want to watch it and they don't fit in your little cupboard of a house that I live in. So that's the other option. Okay, now there's a new option. So we got 1A, 1B, 
we got level two, which is bar level three. And this is not ragging on the facility that I'm about to name. I'm just saying it's not the same as going to a nice cocktail bar and watching it on big screen is going to Dave and Buster's. So now I have Dave and Buster's and then not watching it at all is at the very bottom. So I went to Dave and Buster's to watch this. There is everything at Dave and Buster's that there would be at a regular bar. Yeah. The only thing that differentiates it and lowers it in my tier system is the fact they let kids in there. Uh-huh. I knew that's where you were going. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> it was brutal. And people who bring their kids because they don't have a babysitter, then they have all their friends there and they surround your table. And then eventually they apologize and they say, sorry, boss. And you're like, no problem. I'm just going to the other side of the room which is what I did, but it was driving me nuts. Just kids screaming and they they weren't playing the games or anything. They were there with their parents and their parents just threw an iPad in front of them or whatever, but some were too young to do that. So I've been watching dog crap prelims because of course I get there right when the show starts, not when the main event starts. So I'm suffering through this. And then I got these kids screaming in the background. So I watched the first three fights. They were like, really amateur first fights ended within the first round just terrible looking boxing it's funny jake paul always fights for fighter pay and everybody on my pay-per-views will get paid this amount and stuff like yeah you can pay these guys all you want they suck and then the guys in the co-main event um were actually it was for a title i think a wbc title it was a pretty good fight um then the jake paul tommy furry fight happened and that was crap that was a bad fight a lot of people were saying what a great fight it was. I don't see that at all. It was like a hugging fest. Basically, Jake Paul would through maybe a couple of rights and then would just hug Tommy Fury. Tommy Fury would be running away from him and countering him. And the referee got way too involved in the fight, took po- points away from both competitors for really arbitrary reason. Jake Paul got a knockdown in the last eighth round, in the eighth round, and one judge gave it to Jake Paul. And I thought Jake Paul lost all but two of the rounds. It was just. And it was just bad boxing, like all the Jake Paul fights are. But in this fight, the only difference was he was clearly losing. And when Jake Paul is clearly losing in a fight, it's not as interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, sounds like a great experience, Rick. Why, it was the, why weren't you playing like Rock'em Sock'em Robots? I, I brought my iPad, so I did stay busy. But, uh-huh. you know, it just... The one nice thing was it ended early, so mm-hmm. I was out of there by three. So... I will say I don't really necessarily regret watching it because it was interesting watching Jake Paul lose and a lot of people in the Dave and Buster's were I should just sit at the bar next time. That is the that is the trick. So yeah, if you well, go to watch a David Buster's, sit at the bar. Don't yeah. go to a private room, which is what that. I did. Yeah. I went to the room because the sound was better, but next time I'll just sit with the adults. Um John Legend was there. Oh. That's the celebrity I was going to say. He was just... that's, a, that's a fairly large... Uh, you have celebrity sightings all the time. Uh, yeah, I was like... They're generally was... like D-list sightings that you have. I know. And, I, and if any I place you're going to waitress... have a D-list sighting, you think it'd be Dave and Buster's. I know. I was like, is that John Legend? She's like, yeah. I was like, I thought so. It was wild. Um, was he, money. I don't know. Yeah. but that, That's been all the, the social media is everyone that put money on Paul. Like, <laughs> lost a ton. I bet. Yeah. So, I... Drake lost like a ton of money. Well, of course he did. He always loses. And it's funny, too, because one of the judges gave it to Jake Paul. It was a split decision, which is insanity. Because if you watch it, there's no way Jake Paul would have won a fight, won that fight. It was just crazy. And Tommy Fury was like almost really emotional, almost crying after the fight. And I was like, come on, calm down, dude. You just beat Jake Paul. Uh, 
you're a real boxer. It, it's so funny. Halfway through the fight, I was like, of course. The boxer beats the the not boxer in a boxing fight. It's the same thing we said after McGregor <laughs> lost to Mayweather. The boxer wins in a boxing match. Yeah. Yeah, that keeps happening. I just wouldn't. It's funny, too, because, you know, people are like, well, it was a good fight. Uh, Jake Paul really looked like a warrior. Can't wait for the rematch. I'm like, he didn't. It was not a good fight. Anyone who thinks that's a good fight didn't pay for it, for one. <laughs> like, and just, it was bad. It was a bad fight. Jake Paul, I, I, I would love to know the hugging count because mm. Jake Paul just kept on hugging him. It was mm. just every punch that was thrown, hug. It was so bad to watch. And then, yeah, it wasn't that good. It was only eight rounds. Jake Paul really didn't throw much. He didn't look like a professional boxer. And Tommy Fury had no defense where he had good offensive moments, but he he just was getting all these punches thrown at him and he was taking them on the chin. But it just reminded me, oh, yeah, this is crap. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of hype and it's a lot of crap. And I'm done watching these sparring sessions. And now that Jake lost, I really do think this takes a lot of the steam out of his sails Mm. or the wind out of his sails. I think that part of the thing about him was he was undefeated and we want to see him lose. Well, now we saw him lose and it was in a split decision, bad fight. He didn't get knocked out. He didn't get his, he didn't poop in the living room, get his face rubbed in it. It was just kind of a crap fight and it ended in a boring way. I bet you a lot of people did not watch it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't like know. middle of the afternoon on a Sunday and need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcasts. Well, come join me, Alan Forel, over in the Pro Rest Paradise at Peter Torch VIP as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world, be it the US, Japan, Europe, or Mexico. There's always a place for wrestling's past in the Paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series, celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger, and our I Was There When shows, where a guest will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. We love variety, and you can expect lots of it at the Pro Rest Paradise. Detailed PWF Torch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices. Or you can stream them directly from our ad-free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise. And I, I'll say this other thing, and I gotta, I we we've complained about this when it comes to WWE and the heavy-handedness about it, but it was no better in this pay-per-view. And these Saudi Arabia cards, whether they're the WWE Saudi Arabia cards or in boxing, because boxing is doing a lot of Saudi Arabia cards, it's one thing to have a professional sporting event in Saudi Arabia. I don't care. You know, I didn't care about Fight Island um, for the UFC. I don't care if you go to Middle Eastern countries to have your event. That's fine. I have nothing against that. Mm. But the just the way they use it as propaganda to promote the area that I guess you would call it sports washing. And that's what I'm really worried about if they buy WWE. Like, I cannot handle it. Mm. Because every time the announcers were so bad, 
Uh, Sean Porter was one of the two announcers, and he's just not. I'm just sorry, going on these diatribes, but he just kept on saying, "Well, they're bringing, really giving us a great fight here for the embassy of Saudi Arabia," and and then finally, when he said it every round, Mm -hmm. and eventually, one of the other announcers like, "Yes, and for the whole world," and they're like, "Oh yeah, (laughs) this isn't just for Saudi Arabia. Other people are watching this," and they couldn't like they would interview fighters. They're like, "Hey, Deontay Wilder's here." How great is Saudi Arabia? And he's like, oh, they're so great. They've been treated so well. The hospitality. Hey, some other famous boxers here. How great Saudi Arabia? And they're like, oh, Saudi Arabia is amazing. I'm serious. Like everybody, it's like it's like Disneyland. <laughs> like everybody's like, I'm just so happy to be here. It's great. And it was like, okay. And they'd all be walking in like gold chains and all. That. It just like just seems so. Like how dumb are you if you watch this and you're like, wow, this must be genuine. You know, I'm sure no one was paid to be like this or say these that, things. That, to me, is the rub with all this. That is, like, I don't, I'm kind of with, like, obviously I'm not, like, a supporter of human rights violations. Um, but, like, having events in different countries I don't think is a non-starter for me in general. What tends to be the non-starter is that, is, is actually being a propaganda arm for any for for any place or, or, or municipality or anything. It just... It rubs me because it's so inauthentic. Like it feels like something you would see on like Starship Troopers or something. Uh, yes, where, where it's just it's just like this Orwellian. Just uh, this is what we do now, and this is how we like. That's exactly what that it's, it comes across like that on WWE uh, programming, um, and and all of sports has done this. Even like much low, what feels like much lower stakes. Like when you're watching a game, you know, any two teams, you will get shots of the local area, um, but that just feels like it's said. That feels less like a promotion of the area even though that's what it essentially uh does and more of like giving context to where the event is taking place which i I think you can you can defend that what they do at these saudi shows and and it feels like well i would say that it happens a little bit in the fight island shows um as well because uh you know and and you could argue oh they're they're the official sponsors that's what they're doing but it's the uh it's the sort of native advertising, as you're saying, when they're interviewing people and that's every question has to has to result in that. And why I said that's the rub there is because it's like I, I hate this in, in corporate America, period. This whole thing about perception and like, oh, well, if you say these things, it will be believed. And it's like, no, everyone knows that you're just being paid for this. Like everyone know everyone knows even if you put a, a value neutral or ne- a neutral uh filling or lens towards sports watching which I, by the way this absolutely is it still just comes across as very inauthentic and like like we know you are just being paid to say that you may feel that way you may not feel that way there's no way of me knowing when you sound like a freaking robot uh when you when you're doing it and it, it that to me is what's more it's more annoying uh than everything Cause I think if you're going to go down this just just the straight like oh well i can't believe they're participating in a government that commits human rights abuses it's like well i mean i do pay taxes in america so i'm also a part of that as well and take that however you want to take it people but i'm just saying like it's it, when you play good country versus bad country you're especially everybody's especially, everybody's, especially if you benefit from being in the superpower i'm just saying you're, you're every, not gonna every, yeah everybody's hands dipped in sin it's only a matter of degree i just think it was just so annoying it's just, so if, dull, it's just bad if, content if, yes. if you win you think saudi arabia if you lose you thought think saudi arabia if you're an announcer you think saudi arabia like everybody thinks saudi arabia it's like saudi arabia basically restarted boxing and we're all privileged to see it now because it is here and thank you so much it was just like 
never ending. And if you think that once in a while, it's fine, but everybody was doing it. It was on all the broadcasts, all the commercials about Saudi Arabia. Just well, like, when, when you're when it's a, when it's, a, when it's an occasional thing, it, at least it has a veneer of being like, hey, you know, it, hey, it's happening so often. Yeah, though, we've, been, we've, we've been treated great this weekend. Thanks to everyone. That sounds like a genuine thanks. Whenever it's worked in, seemingly worked into the broadcast on mandate, that's that's a little different. Well, and we're exposed to it so much because of WWE. And it's this true. is going back to our conversation. They're probably going to buy WWE. <laughs> and so I was just thinking about that when I was watching this. I was like, this is going to be awful. This might turn me off to watching wrestling completely. <laughs> like, if I can, this turns me off to watching boxing. If there's an event that's happening, here's my new rule. If there's an event that's happening in Saudi Arabia, I mean, most likely they're boxing events that I'll watch live, wrestling events I'll watch on Peacock and Delay. I will try my best not to watch it live. So I could fast forward through all this stuff all this propaganda it was just and again i'm not trying to pick on saudi arabia this happens in a lot of other events and in a lot of other countries when they go there but it just seems in these saudi shows to be so much more just heavy well saudi arabia specifically has um the has targeted sports i think uh as as their their entry into the the main stage of the world in that way and i and i think i think they do that smartly because it's the one product that everyone can kind of interact with like if if you know if they're gonna they're gonna sports watch through their um like like i would say like this like they own i think stake in disney the saudi public investment fund but um it doesn't they're not going to be able to, to to touch you in that way like or if they they have some piece of tech or something that they come out with like so what stuff comes from foreign countries you know there's issues uh with you know everything we have comes out of china and, and china's you know noted human rights abuser all that stuff um the thing is they they touch you at sports because you know sports is supposed to engender these feelings of of, lo- of localness and uh, civic pride and all these kind of things and people interact with sports on that level uh so it's it's just a it was, it was an a, uncomf- un- uncomfortable piece of 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 modern uh, uh, programming that we have to deal with. And it was just a crap show. So it's like everybody thinking everybody for everything, and it was just bad. So it's, then it's inauthentic on top of that, yeah. Yeah, it was just bad. And the announcers were really bad, really low marks for Sean Porter. I can't wait to listen to um, to all these boxing reviews later. And listen to people talk about how bad the announcing was because it was just really bad. And and the announcing was very biased towards Jake Paul. And that's the other thing. These Jake Paul shows do feel like a lot of the time that they're promoted by him. It doesn't feel like a legitimate sport sometimes. It sounds like yeah. the Jake it feels like the Jake Paul show. It feels like something that would be going on like on his YouTube channel, uh basically. In, in that sense, that's... It's, it's also weird. They had Mike Tyson there, and they were like, mm-hmm. Mike Tyson, who's the most beloved heavyweight. They Bruce Buffer announced he was there. One thing that they re- did was really stupid, and it's just funny. And I think it had to do with sort of like, look at every, all of us. We're all the way in Saudi Arabia. But they right before they made an event, Bruce Buffer was like, and let's give us an opportunity to recognize the celebrities who have joined us today. And they would like show the different boxing uh, the boxing veterans or everybody who was there and they like wave or do something. It was just like very specific. Like, look, they flew out here. Tyson Fury is here. And then they said the most popular heavyweight boxer of all time, Mike Tyson. And I was like, you know, Dana should be watching that and being like, all I need to do is wait. Everybody's forgiven. You know, and I know that 
Mike Tyson is famous beyond famous and he's been involved in all these different things, but you know, all these guys, we're just talking about John Jones and we talked about Dana a while ago. A lot of these guys that we are beloved in sports have done some really bad things. (laughs) so So here's the thing. If you commit a crime, before like 1997 it feels like yeah it's it doesn't washed. count yeah right um yeah for sure. even a really bad one that no yeah like, like <laughs> <laughs> if you guys don't know what we're talking about you could look it up it's well, not uh, funny, what, what i always had it funny about Ty, like there are other uh celebrities that you know didn't seem to have to face the the recriminations that a lot of celebrities had to face the last couple of years and a lot of those ones it's actually because like the details of what actually happened are a little muddied Mm-hmm. Go look at the tight. Go look at the Tyson stuff. It's much less muddy than a lot of these other ones that uh, that you're looking around. Don't be don't beat me up, Mike Tyson, please. But uh, it's actually uh, no no do. <laughs> no, well, that'd be great. He's got show. a lot of money. <laughs> oh, that'd be good for the show, man. You know, it'd be uh, good for the show. Sanctimonious podcaster, and then he just just so, wails me. So yeah i can't wait to listen to teddy atlas talk about this fight because i know he's going to just smash the announcing and how one-sided it was because they kept on like making excuses for jake paul in the fight they're like oh he's you know he's you could barely tell who's the youtuber who's the professional boxer he's doing really good and they like gave him the fight when they did their unofficial scorecard and stuff like that it was just like crap yeah just so bad and i think sometimes these ufc announcers these veterans um I'm trying to think of a way to say this that's not going to sound incredibly terrible. Mm-hmm. I feel like they purposely in the UFC get rid of announcers or have an, and have former fighters be in the analysis booth as opposed to the commentator booth if they don't talk goodly. Well, I mean which the, meaning the sentence you just said there but, right uh, which was on purpose uh but there are fighters who are good at analysis but they make right. terrible commentators yeah like because I, yes 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 and i'm not one to criticize because there are a lot of times with my sentences trail off i use the word like three times in a uh-huh, sentence uh-huh. or things like that but it is very important when you're announcing in sports. And this goes for the NFL, especially. That's the one thing I'm really always impressed by the NFL is even if they're a former football player and stuff, they just, and they probably have to, and not just picking on the football players, but any athlete who didn't take journalism school and hasn't been talking professionally on a microphone has to work on it, mm. I'd imagine. And there are fighters who are currently fighting or have been fighting who haven't had the time to work on it. Like, there are times when it's good to have that authenticity and stuff, but I don't think Sean Porter's there Mm. as a good, like, he definitely needs to be in a three-man booth. And I just, and there are fighters in the UFC who are good at analysis, but I wouldn't put him in a commentator booth. And I think boxing sometimes, I never thought Roy Jones Jr. was a good announcer for that same reason. It, it's funny because this discussion has come up a lot in the last couple of weeks uh, with Tom Brady's retirement. So um, Fox, who who had the Super Bowl, they have right now the the kind of media darling announcing, the number one on Fox with the Greg Olson and Kevin Burkhart. Uh, the problem with that is Greg Olson is not a celebrity. He was a good tight end, um, you know, Pro Bowl level tight end, not a superstar. They hired though Tom Brady to take his spot whenever Tom Brady retired. We have no knowledge whether or not Tom Brady can actually do the job. 
but he's but because of his celebrity, he's going to come in and replace Olsen. Now, I think where that's significant and relates to what you're talking about is part of the problem is, uh, you know, say a guy like Olsen, who is just, you know, a pro bowler, but a, a regular tight end, he got to get some reps in before he was the number one guy. Right. Um, and, and that happens, you know, with the and good announcers, I think, tend to be more like the even though I don't think these guys are very good, but like the uh, like the Paul Felder mold. That's more of the mold, I think, for some of these really good announcers. They're not exact. They're not necessarily the biggest celebrities from the sport. They're people who have, you know, who struggled their way through the sport and had to break it down very analytically. And generally, like in sports, they might start out as part of the local broadcast for the team they played for, get good at it, and then go up. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Did you know we also have a website? PWTorch.com. Daily news updates, editorials, and my live TV coverage covering Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown, and my live pay-per-view coverage for WWE and AEW. Create a tab or bookmark, make it a daily stop, visit us throughout the day every day to keep up on breaking news and more. That's pwtorch.com. The problem is... They also can't rest on their their reputation. No, no. Because as much as Paul Felder, yeah, thinks he was great. What happens? That is what... Like, I'm not saying Felder does. I think Felder does do the work. I think the the first guy that really showed the contrast was, was Brian Stan. Because, oh, this guy actually works at this, yeah. where a lot of the other guys would just kind of come I in. was really sad he left when he left. Because the announcing was good, yeah. And, and I think I think even on the non-former athlete part, I think that's the difference between Anik and Rogan, if we're being honest with you, is one does their homework and the other one just kind of relies on being uh, who they are, which is why Rogan works totally better in a three-person booth. But the the thing is, is they do they do rely on, like, you know, I, and I don't know, Tom Brady might put in the work, but it's just like, I'm Tom Brady and I'm going to, you know, so I'm, I'm just going to be Tom Brady. It's a hard job. You know, it's not one that I don't think I could do, but those who do, there are definitely levels to those who do it well and those who put in the work uh, do a better job at it. And so what happens though is I I feel like there's this urge that you can't put the guys who are, you know, the the top tier guys within their sports, you can't put them on the lower level. They're too big for the lower level, but they're not ready for the stage that they they get on. Ultimately, I think it's only people like us though that really care about commentary. Uh, through any sport, like you might be annoyed or you might like it or not, but it, it's only us that actually analyze. It. I don't think it makes a tangible difference on uh, the sport as a whole, other than just for a perception on the night of, or people like us being cranky about it. Yeah, I think, but I think it does detract from the experience because when you have good announcing, what can be an okay fight can turn out to be better, mm-hmm. and you need to know when to talk and when to not talk. And when you've made your point about six separate times and you keep repeating it because you don't have a big <laughs> that, bag of had. tricks to go to, yeah, God, it's had. annoying. That is all you had. You see that? What's you, and that's that's you, you can tell who who prepped and who didn't. Because you right. know, if you, if you or you that, that they just might not have the capacity to do better. That's it. Like that's, that's what they got. Yeah. They and it's funny. One of my favorite documentaries. It's technically a true crime, but it's a real sports one. Is the Made in America, the O.J. Simpson one. Mm-hmm. I love that documentary. And part of it, they talk about how when O.J. got done playing professional football, he tried to transition to announcing for ABC. I believe. Yeah, he wasn't any good. <laughs> like he was terrible at it. Yeah, and they said that? he really tried. And they, you know, he and part of the issue too is the, the just the grammar that goes along with it as well. He wanted to make sure he's getting everything right and right and and there's a cadence to being an announcer and and he just didn't have it. Yeah, and that's why the guys like the the Pat McAfee's are, are the more more of the exception than the rules. Um, and yeah, Pat McAfee's not. I mean, he was famous for a punter, but not exactly 
um, a celebrity. And I and by judging on his commentary in uh, in WWE, I wouldn't necessarily want him in a commentary booth. But but he, the point is, he can do he can do the media thing. No, it is it is a skill. Obviously, it's a skill because some people are better than others at it. So so it is a skill. And and the the skill generally is how can you translate what we're seeing? This is where Dominic Cruz struggles. How can you translate what we're seeing on that television? Translate it not to another UFC fighter or boxer or football player. How do you translate it to me? How do you translate it to Rick? And I think mm-hmm. that's that's where like a guy like Dominic Cruz, who I think would be better if there was like an alternate for nerds broadcast. I'm not saying that derisively, just like the people that study the stuff, you know, so well, in detail, he might do better in an area like that where, you know, Cormier might be overly enthusiastic, but at least, you know, at, at least he, he feels like there's a competency to what he's doing. And it can be something that you could that could add to your experience in watching the event unfold. The problem with Dominic Cruz is he he comes off as a smart ass mm. and he always has come off like a smart ass. Yeah. He just knows more than you. He's yeah. just annoying. Like he just doesn't have that he has no likability. That's yeah. He just doesn't have that charisma. And if you way. know about him, then you really has no likability. But if you if you put Dominic Cruz in front of you and talked about a fighter and you put Daniel Cormier in front of you and talked about the opposing fighter, I guarantee you you'd probably be rooting for the opposing fighter. <laughs> like he, you would like Daniel Cormier's guy more. Because yeah. Dominic Cruz just has no nothing to him. And you know, Sean Porter, I will say this, he he does have a likability factor to him. It's just he if he's gonna be an announcer like he is I feel like he needs to be supported by at least one other person. And I will say real fast, the boxing presentation was terrible, of course. Mm. they The pay-per-view started out with 14 minutes of talking yes. and some video packages because nobody watches boxing consistently like a UFC. Like UFC can just go into it. They're like, here's the fights. Here's what's happening. You know how it goes. Let's go. But that's because they have like a weekly television show. There's, there's a continuity ways. to it. Yeah. 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 There's no continuity boxing. Every, and I love how Danny White said this uh, with boxing. Every event is essentially a going out of business sale where you have these crumbs in the prelims and then the big fight coming up and you guys just have to sit through it. They interview people that have nothing to do with the fight card or anything. Like Deontay Wilder was interviewed for six minutes about the opponent he might be having you can't say anything and they start talking about his clothes and what he's been doing it's like i paid for this <laughs> like this this seems like something that should be on youtube uh, just why is this on the television right now and not you know that was it the only thing i was thinking with the dante wilder thing is like i wonder he's insinuating he's trying to get in ganu right now mm-hmm. but i don't care because he's he, he he right now if i was in ghana i'd be staying away from him because Deontay walter just got seventy thousand pay-per-view buys in his last fight so he's not going to be getting me my 30 million dollar asking price mm, so it's it's kind of fear your bust then you think for Ngannou? i think ghana is going to bust even if he gets his money, I think he's going to lose if he well, goes. No, but nobody, him. nobody expects Ngannou to win. It's only the rubes that are. It's, it's the guys who thought McGregor was going to be the boxer Mayweather. is going to win the boxing fight. Yes, so that, I think that, in, that's what I'm saying. Like it's I think Ngannou do that. I think Ngannou should come back to the UFC. I think Jake Paul's PFL prospects are a lot less interesting now because he's probably going to rematch Tommy Fury. That's a fight no one will watch. He'll probably lose that fight. And then what? He's lost two in a row when he's done with boxing. He's only interesting in. MMA if he was still the problem child or whatever, but he's not anymore. Well, then you, have, you, you got Nate uh, around the corner. I think, yeah, but I don't... So that's the other thing. And this is the... We really didn't talk about the ramifications. The fight was crap. I, I kind of just want to push it to the side. You know, he's going to rematch 
Tommy Fury. Tommy Fury is someone no one really even heard of until this fight. And when he's done with Jake Paul, no one will still really catch up with him. He's this good-looking British guy that can't really box. I don't think Nate Diaz is really going to be breaking down the wall to fight Jake Paul anymore. I think Jake Paul made a huge mistake fighting Fury. He should have really gone after Diaz. Yeah, maybe, but I, I think these guys can 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 still sell fights though. That's that's the thing. Like, or, or at least think so enough enough for it to come together. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think just. The, you think you don't think of them losing is gonna? No. Maybe you're right because if a tree falls in a forest, why, no why is there interest? Why is there interest in the first place? Right? Like it's. It I, has, I think undefeated really means something. But everyone to knows the context boxing. of his undefeated, don't they? Is BS. Yes, yeah. but like everybody paid to see him lose. And now he lost. And now, and now they've done that. Yeah. 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 And and not only did he lose, he lost in Saudi Arabia on a pay-per-view nobody actually watched, but everybody's gonna hear about it. Well, it's funny because like in, in my universe, the uh the the person a person living in my house asked me if the fight if I was getting the fight um midday. But other than that, I've heard no like uh no buzz about it. Anyways. And you know that's their fault. They took the money and they probably and it's actually probably smarter than Jake's on his part because he wasn't getting pay-per-view buys mm-hmm. so screw it just have it on the middle of the afternoon just on sunday and, and just have, have have be paid out for it the way and they want to do the rematch again in that area because that's the only place that i'll pay them yeah yeah well and to them the, the the event's not the important part to the people paying them it's the those interviews that you're talking about that's the that's the value um okay we're on way long here rick any closing thoughts on the week um yeah, I hope it's a good pay-per-view coming up. We got the UFC and AEW. is going to be a packed weekend for me, so I'm looking really forward to it. And, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I am too. I'm looking forward to this busy week. Um, even though, like, I, I sounded very unenthusiastic with the AEW pay-per-view. It still, like, will deliver some some stuff that you'll want to see and will be an interesting uh, talk. Their, their pay-per-views never go on without a, with a whimper. Um, that's for sure. And then the, uh, you know, we're in the thick of WrestleMania season. We got all, we got all that going and we got the, uh, the UFC fights this week. I've been stuck in this West Memphis three, uh, rabbit hole Rick, for like this whole weekend. The what? You, you talk about true crime for the West Memphis three. Yeah. I know you know about it. Um, what is it? The, the child murders that happen in, uh, West Memphis, Arkansas in the mid nineties. Okay. Yeah. And the, the, the three guys, they, they were released in like 2011 and you know, there's a lot of, their whole cause has been taken up about you know wrongful um sentencing all, all that stuff and uh i don't i one of the documentaries came up as a recommend <laughs> the other day and i just got stuck in that hole and i'm like i don't know how but the thing is like i'm very interested in this case but i don't know how people like you rick just stay in true crime mode all the time i just i can't do it you can't do it you don't have the, don't have the bandwidth um i think part of it's just like it it keeps you level because you're watching and you're like, at least I'm not being investigated for murder right now. Well, I mean, after this show, I think we're both on some lists, so we'll have to. Uh... Yeah, you, you know, it's kind of a sad world that Robert Durst is dead. You know, from old age and stuff. Like, I know he was a psychopathic killer who uh, killed a bunch of people and probably is evil, but um, it's just interesting knowing he was around. I, I also like the fact that because all that went down people think the lead singer of Limp Biscuit is a murderer. Yeah. It's probably contributed to some people taking their own lives, but, um, the, yeah, well, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, 
That's we're, a joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If this is our most liable podcast we've ever done. Like, if we are ever going to get, it's all coming out of this show. Hopefully, no. Oh, you haven't listened. To, you haven't listened to a Limp Biscuit song and wanted to jump off a bridge. I don't know who you are. <laughs> that is going to do it for us this week. For Rick, Ivan, Robert, we are done. We are out of here. Stay safe. Stay out of legal trouble, and we will talk to you next week. Now you can subscribe to our VIP podcast lineup within the Apple Podcast app using your Apple account. That's new as of March 2022. Just search PW Torch in your Apple Podcast app and you'll see the PW Torch Daily Cast logo show up. That's our free show that's been around forever. And also the PW Torch VIP Podcast logo. There is a free show every week. So subscribe even if you don't plan to go VIP and get a sample of our VIP tier programming. But if you click subscribe, then you'll become a VIP member instantly with a three-day free trial, after which your Apple account will be charged. So you don't need to take out your credit card, debit card, or go anywhere else. If you listen to our free shows on Apple Podcasts, you are five seconds away from being a VIP member with a three-day free trial. So we invite you to check it out. That includes dozens of VIP shows throughout the week, including VIP versions of the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling post shows and podcasts and daily casts. All those episodes are presented to VIP members with ads and plugs removed, along with VIP exclusives like our post-pay-per-view roundtables, the Wade Keller Hotline, The Fix with Todd and Wade, everything with Rich and Wade, and many other VIP exclusive shows. Just search PW Torch within the Apple Podcasts app. It is not too late to make a New Year's resolution, even if it's no longer the time when people are saying Happy New Year, especially if you're looking to get fit and have nutrient-dense food that's going to give you energy without a bunch of sugar, salt, fat, and processed stuff that just doesn't serve your body well. And one way to do that is with home delivery of Factor chef-prepared meals. Fuel up fast with ready-to-eat nutritious meals delivered straight to your door, leaving you time and energy to tackle everything on your to-do list and you don't have to cook before you settle in to watch wrestling during the week. Achieve and maintain your 2023 goals with Factor. It is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Start saving time, eating well, and living your best year yet. You've heard me talk about these before, I suspect, and I order Factor meals on my own, whether they sponsor the show or not. I'm a believer in these meals. Sometimes I'm just too busy to cook, even though I like to cook. But I know when I'm eating good food, and it's so nice knowing those Factor meals are in the refrigerator, fresh, never frozen, with whole food, healthy ingredients, ready to be microwaved in just over two minutes, and I'm eating. I don't have to wait 45 minutes for delivery and pay a tip. And frankly, so often that delivered food is full of fat, it's deep fried. You're not going to get that with Factor meals. No matter your lifestyle, Factor has delicious flavor-packed meals to help you live life to the fullest. There's keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and protein plus options on the menu each week. They are prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians. Each meal has all the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long. You don't have to calorie count or try to figure out how much protein or carbs you're getting. They balance it for you. 
With 34 chef-prepared, dietitian-approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. I always look forward to hitting refresh on the Factor website and seeing the new date pop up for the meal plan a couple weeks out and selecting the meals that I want. You don't have to select meals. They will automatically send you their selection based on your prior selections, but you can customize it too. Get Factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door, ready in just two minutes in the microwave. No prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash wade50. That's a new website and a new code this month. Head to factormeals.com slash wade50 and use code wade50 to get, this is clever, 50% off your first box. That's code wade50 to get 50% off at factormeals.com slash wade50. Treat your body right, give yourself more energy, and save time and money with Factor Meals and get 50% off with coupon code WADE50.